Oh, here we go. Excellent connection. I believe we are live already. Welcome, we welcome, yeah. and welcome Yo. everybody to another episode of the Break the Rules stream. We are here. here we, are. we are all the way live. I am your host, yeah, yeah, yeah. Lev Poliakov, break a.k.a. The break the Rules. Left Poe on and Twitter. And I am Gio. And you are Gio, the great Giovanni Penichetti. And we have we have the great Eli Schiff here with us. The great uh, Cameron Taylor, a.k.a. Ninja Mother. Hello. The great Forbes Carter. And also the great yeah. MK Maffo, all the way from Italia. So, welcome, Hello. guys. It's a great pleasure to be here Molto with you, as always. Bene. I am so honored by all the people <laughs> who come on these streams and uh, who are able to have a uh, dialogue and uh, come away learning something new. And today we're going to be talking uh, about Eli, about Eli's life, about uh, the uh, humans of flat, the flat art, the flat graphic design. And I kept seeing that flat graphic design way before I even knew who Eli was. And I noticed nobody was really talking about it. Like I saw it on the subway. I saw it like I was... I'm living in New York, so in New York City, you see this stuff everywhere, and I was always bothered by it. I always thought, why why exactly do I feel the way that I do about it? And maybe, you know, before we get to that, I want to just ask Eli to tell us a little bit about himself as far as, like, his origin. Well, before, uh, yes, before, before that, that, let me just say, let me just say that there's very few people in this world who have a mission in life that compels them to... Uh, totally almost uh, mortify themselves in order for a greater and more nobler good. And Eli Schiff, in my opinion, is one of these men who has been through hell to promote his message and to further his craft. And to that, I give Eli as a friend, as a colleague, as a fellow artist, the utmost respect, Eli Schiff. And, and uh, I just want everyone to say that right off the bat. This man is a legend. This man has been uh, uh, wrongfully smited. And uh, he will win in the end. Eli Schiff will win against the ghouls that are out, that against him. So, Eli Schiff, please okay. give us a oh, wait, wait, wait. Use couple Amen. And one, one Amen, more thing. my man. Amen. Amen. And two more, Amen. Okay, two, more things. two more things before we go to Eli. Thing number one, all new people, subscribe right now. We put the stream yes. on, and yep. we need your support. And, uh, and Patreon. Patreon. Patreon.com slash break the rules. Go there right now, and you are going to get some of my father's exquisite, beautiful magnets. Here is a picture of the magnets look at them they're amazing and you will also get for $30 Giovanni Panacetti's beautiful prints here you could see him in action making these amazing prints from the TFW no GF series and if you give $50 you are going to get another magnet of my father's custom made so whatever design you want he's going to make it for you and before we begin I also got some uh, fan mail for Eli uh, from all the graphic designers I was messaging to uh, come on the show. So, um, okay, here's one. Here's one. Uh, hi, Lev. Thanks for the note. I appreciate the invite, but I don't want to be associated with Eli or anything regarding humans of flat. Hope you understand. Good luck. Hi, Zoinks. Lev. Hi, Lev. Thanks so much for the kind words. Thanks so much for the kind words. I have no interest in taking part discussing this topic alongside Eli, as he clearly doesn't respect other artists that don't align with his views, and I find him highly problematic, as well as the fact that you are willing to give him a platform to continue to do so. <laughs> so with that being said, let's, let's uh, hop on over to Eli. Tell us well, about the fascism of the design world. The fascist, the totalitarian of the design. <laughs> yes, uh, liberal fascism, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Thank you guys so much for the introduction. Uh, you know, I can't uh, 
that's that means a lot. And yeah, it's it's uh, it's been an interesting past couple of years. I'd say even past four years. Uh, really, things started heating up in about 2015. So it kind of precedes a lot of the craziness that you could imagine in the past four years. But um, a little bit of background about me: I've been a designer about 10 years now, um, and really more importantly than being a designer, because that's something that I do and I try to keep mostly on the side. Um, mostly what I'm publicly known for is being a design critic. Um, and that really started around 2012, around the sort of beginning of flat design. You know, it has roots much earlier with windows going flat in the mid aughts, but uh, I started writing about it publicly in 2012. And that became something that sort of it was unintentional at first, but it became a big study for me. And uh, over time, just became known in the design community as probably the most strident critic of flat design, um, which is, I would say, we should be very clear that there's a distinction between flat design and humans of flat. Um, humans of flat emerged out of flat design and was sort of only possible because of the the vacuum that flat design left in sort of art, art in the user interface. I mean, we used to have uh, an incredibly rich and you could even say diverse set of possible expression within interface design. And I think a lot of people enjoyed it. Um, interestingly enough, it would be uh, journalists and designers who really were the impetus for, uh, and, and of course, business interests um, foremost, but uh, both of those were really uh, the key public messengers for flat design emerging. Um, and so I, I was a critic of that. and. Uh, it became pretty controversial because, as with most things, designers for uh, for positive or for ill are somewhat conformist in general, whether it be from a visual perspective or from a messaging perspective. And so, as soon as there was sort of a uh, what would be the right word, sort of a shift in opinion uh, on what the correct approach to designing aesthetics of of user interfaces of screen design, whether for mobile or web, uh, people just doubled down on it and the idea of there being any dissent in that area was really shut down. So being one of the very few uh, and probably one of the stronger people in that area critiquing it, uh, it became something of a place where people would attack me in many ways, but uh, kept through that. And I guess I could continue on with this, but I'll probably just say a little bit more recently, I released a book called Uber's Undoing um, that came out in 2018 that was sort of critiquing you could say some of the more neoliberal aspects of Uber's aesthetics and messaging as well. Um, and I think with that, that sort of also around that time was when I put out the Humans of Flat account, which is sort of the subject of today. Um, and Humans of Flat, we can, we can get into the history of that, but uh, I will probably leave it at that, except maybe, maybe it's worth just mentioning the last detail here is uh, in 20, yeah, 2020, just before coronavirus hit, uh, I was deplatformed from Twitter with uh, no sort of no reason or rationale, uh, no warning message, nothing. Um, and it was interesting because it was one of the few cases where a verified account was deplatformed. Um, and I, I can account probably under 10 that I'm aware of that were ever in the history of the entirety of Twitter of verified accounts being deplatformed. So, that was an interesting thing and that led to a whole unpersoning event. Um, but since then, been kind of quiet and this is one of the first times I've been public. So with that, enough about me, I'll put it back to the group. 
Well, this would be kind of the elephant in the room, which I could kind of store in my pouch and then uh, address at a later part of the stream. But I figure why not just off the bat to uh, talk about it. When I was messaging people about uh, coming on the show, the one thing that a lot of them were just like pushing into my face saying like, this is the reason right here. This is it. No question at all had to do with the uh, blog post or was, uh, I guess, the Twitter thread that you made about the unfortunate uh, Uber ride that you had with this guy from a different country who couldn't speak English or so he said and uh, you know you had some pretty negative words to say about the guy now the way that I would interpret it personally like if this was someone who let's say was from Russia and he couldn't speak any English and uh, knowing the history of a lot of the Russian people you know with the alcoholism and the drug abuse like it's a generational thing, uh, not generational, it's a cultural thing where you would have geniuses, poets, scientists, engineers coming from the same place where you would also have a bunch of drunks coming from. So to me, it's not a matter of the things that they are pointing to saying like, you know, these bad things you said about this poor Uber driver would mean that, um, you know, but that's that's at least the way that I can look at it. But can you can you uh, talk about that a little bit? I remember the Daily Dot, I think it was, that said Eli Schiff's racist tirade, xenophobic tirade. So no, that's that's actually that never happened. But uh, <laughs> Daily Dot did not write about me. Um, but it was uh, some it was maybe it was some obscure blogger. Then it was yeah, probably uh, yeah. That would be the AIGA obscure blogger um, design, the biggest design organization in the world. Uh, Wait, disavowing so me, but yeah. Okay. Oh. <laughs> Wait, wait, but just, just but, to be clear, that means that you did write that or you didn't write that? Well, so, I mean, I think the, the thing with the, the sort of the critique that I would say I was making in that case, um, which, to be clear, that was not the reason for my suspension from Twitter. Um, I was actually directly suspended because of a thread about a new uh, trend that's been happening, not so new, I guess, in the past 8, 10, 12 months. Uh, called Neomorphism. And uh, that was the thread that actually directly got me banned, which was kind of interesting. Um, of all things, there are many things that I've talked about that were much less what's the, interesting. What, what's, neo, what, what's neomorphism? What's neomorphism, this thread about? Neomorphism, yeah. Sure, sure. So neomorphism is a strange and honestly not that interesting offshoot of what's called skeuomorphism, which uh, is sort of a commonly understood as the referencing of one material or one sort of referent um, and adopting that in another. So for instance, you might say, uh, if you were to use a leather texture on your user interface, that would be considered in the popular understanding a skeuomorph. Um, and so I want to look it up. Skeuomorphism, how do I spell that? S-K-E-U-O-M-O-R-P-H-I-S-M. Great, thank you, I got it, thank you. Yeah, sure. So. Anyway, it's an obscure trend that's kind of gotten a little bit popular among sort of young designers, but hasn't really reached the mainstream. Uh, I was discussing why it, what its various merits were, but that was sort of the actual proximate cause for the suspension, which is very odd. But in any case, uh, there's to this thread, you know, there's, there's a lot of critiques to be made of the market uh, for Uber drivers. You know, what, what, interestingly enough with the latest, uh, bills that were passed in California, um, they've now classified Uber drivers not as employees. And so now they have even less uh, sort of, I guess rights wouldn't be the right word, but they, they don't have as many opportunities as they would otherwise um, if they were classified as employees. Uh, and so it's interesting that the very people who would critique the question or who would say that you shouldn't question um, 
Uber drivers are also voting against the interests of Uber drivers. Uh, maybe you could ask me something about this topic, but I don't really have all that much to say about it. I had a bad Uber ride, um, wasn't pleasant, and I missed my flight, so my flight on a plane. I guess so. it would it would relate to another thing that a lot of the designers talk about, uh, at least the ones that I talk to, in relation to why they don't like Eli Schiff. And their reason is not so much, at least as they say, not so much what you say, but how you say it. So it's almost like if you were to say the exact same things, but in a different style, in a different way, then maybe it wouldn't be as abrasive uh, for, for them. But I don't know, like, what do you think? That was their, that was their reasoning. That's a common uh, sort of phrase that you'll hear is that, you know, it's, it's not the substance, but the style. But the, then the question is, you know, why? I think it's, it's sort of the identification with a platform of critique. So designers actually almost universally will put out a take on their Twitter account on about any given thing. But as soon as somebody comes into their messages and says, by the way, I work at Facebook and you shouldn't talk about our team this way. You don't know what it's like we had all these constraints and actually our manager made it so that we couldn't do X, Y, and Z. And if you'd only known we're all people behind the screen and you shouldn't say that our icon is ugly. Well, you know what? I would actually say, let's just look at the icon. You know, there's lots of constraints. I'm, I'm a designer myself. We all know that there's constraints, but let's look at this object and, and uh, sort of make a critique on the basis of what's in front of us. Now we could also say, we could also critique the actual workplace environment. What, what causes, the, the, those resulting icons. Um, and that's, that's part of you know, design criticism as well. But really there's nothing off limits. And, and in fact, um, talking about these things, especially from giant corporations, you, know, you should feel insulated and you should feel proud that your work is influencing the world, that somebody is willing to talk about your work. Uh, even if 95% of people think it's terrible, you know, there's something kind of amazing about the fact that any of us have the, the opportunity to make something that you know, potentially millions or even billions of people will see. Um, so it, it's really, that's the privilege. And then, you know, there's a sort of humility that comes with saying, okay, you know, now this is out in the world and now everyone's allowed to have their interpretation. Definitely. And we have a uh, comment right now. And by the way, for more comments, streamlabs.com slash break the rules, send us a little scratch. And that's definitely going to help in addressing any comments. But uh, over here we have... Uh, the uh, comment from Michael Pamulis, who's asking, what is flat design and what is the big beef with it? It is ugly from what I can tell. Just to clarify, uh, was the question about flat design? Yes. The, for UI oh, design or humans of flat? I think he means humans of well, flat, yes. Okay. Go ahead, Gio. Do you have something? No, no, I was, maybe we should just, uh, for now we'll focus just on like UI design, but then humans of flat, I think, is the real neat what we'll, we'll get into. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. So, yeah. yeah. Um, so flat design, what's the issue with it? I mean, there's, I would say the real issue is there's two parts. I mean, there's a thousand parts, uh, but the ones that I'll focus on at the moment are ergonomics. Um, if we look at any industrial design or even graphic design, um, ergonomics mm -hmm. traditionally has more to do with industrial design, but uh, you could say as any signifier, which would be like something that you could observe and would send a message to you. Um, whether it be a knob on, a, on a, a dial on a radio or a button to turn on your TV, whatever it might be, it has a certain form to it and that communicates its interactivity. 
Um, it's a flat design, you know, by nature. It's an ideology. It's, it's both an aesthetic and an ideology that reduces mm. yeah. all of the possible affordances or interactive potential of a given object, whether it's on screen or in the real world. Um, and it reduces those down to something flat. Now, you could make lots of great interfaces that are flat if you accommodate for that flatness by using other signifiers, whether it be color or, um, you know, brightness and darkness. There's a lot of various tools in the designer's toolbox. But the question is, why would you inherently make a rule or an ideology around not using a, a huge variety of tools in your toolbox? Um, and that's what the industry decided to do. There's a lot of reasons why they might want to do that. Um, but first and foremost, it was ideological. And then, you know, more about following trends and, you know, sort of more conformist behavior. Uh, so that that's sort of where I would say, the other, so that's the first is the ergonomics. The second is uh, the sort of Let's see the aesthetics. So the question of you know beauty. Um, you know, there's many flat things that I enjoy. There's many abstract things that I find beautiful. Uh, plant, like I don't know what's a great example. Like G Monk, I guess makes sort of visualizations. Or uh, there's a lot of really great stuff that's out there that's flat. Um, but the question is, what's actually being produced? Not what is potentially possible that you could be you could do with flatness. What's actually being delivered? And I think that you know, consumers just broadly are, we're in 2013 when flat design really hit the mainstream. Uh, and even until now are questioning that, that decision. Why did we go flat? Why did we reduce the visual palette available to us? So that would be the second is sort of the, the, the question of what's available from the perspective of beauty. And just real quick, the image I just posted over here, would that be an example of a flat design? So that's an interesting thing. And, and it's, that's, applies both to, as we'll get into humans of flat and flat design. Now, of course, in this image, we've got sort of all these sort of flat colors. Um, we might say pastels to some degree, uh, but in any case, whatever the palette actually is, there's the, the real interesting thing about that image is not the color, it's the, uh, the shadows, right? And so how could it be flat if it has shadows? Well, the difference, I think the key distinction between flat design as it first started in the early, uh, I guess you'd say the 10s. How do you say the first decade? The second 2010s. decade? Yeah, yeah, the 2010s. 2010s. The 2010s. So yeah, in, that, in that decade. That's not uh, exactly. The, the last decade, not, not our current decade. Yeah, the 10s. Um, yeah. During that time, in the very beginning, flat design was very much about having no shadows at all. Um, but there's two things you could take away generally when it comes to an object in an interface. One is the protruding elements, and that would be things like buttons, um, and even uh, inputs and sets. Uh, and those would be sort of the actual object and the contours of the object going up and down, inside and out. And then the question, the other question is how light uh, extends out or light produces a shadow from it. So one thing that was um, uh, introduced uh, in 2014 with material design was the introduction of shadows to flat design. But what it didn't bring back from what used to be in dimensional design was those sort of protruding and uh, inset elements like uh, inputs and buttons and things like that. So you would have a shadow, but th that shadow would only be coming off the object into the background. But the question is, why are we not also having that shadow on all the other elements? If there's a light source, that should, light source should apply to all elements in a similar way, you know, within reason. There's, there's uh, graphic reasons why you might not want to apply shadows to every single element. But So like, you know, like, like your Eggman, right? That one would. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. 
Well, uh, I was just going to say that uh, the egg shape that you have over here, it seems to exist in the kind of world that would uh, correspond to the correct kind of lighting and shading that you would see in the natural world. It even has some interesting things, like if you look, it looks simple, but if you look closely, you see the uh, nose has uh, some light over here on the, uh, yeah. on the side. It has cheekbones. Well, it has reflectors on a texture yeah. to the egg itself. Like it looks like eggshell, not slater or anything else. Like I can tell. Yeah. Just by the color and the lighting, that is in fact eggshell. Yeah, yeah, that's all stuff that designers used to take uh, very seriously and try to make, uh, you know, conform to some some sort of hyper real, we could say, or at least idealized version of what reality looks like. Well, it has like reflecting shadows from different different elements around it, which was you know discovered by Paul Cezanne, but that's. <laughs> Yeah, but I guess what the point would be is why, okay, so why would people care about the major aesthetic choices of every single corporation and tech company being flat? I think the way I explain it to people would be with, you know, as much as I admire a lot of Soviet brutalism, I feel that when you have a very utilitarian model around design itself, it creates the aesthetics of the world creates the inner self in such a way so for example with flat design everything becomes a consumerist model point and click you know amazon few clicks away from buying something it seems that every single social media site is geared around a certain way as well yeah. like every social media site has a certain template like you know now that twitter mm -hmm. has introduced fleets now every social media site's the same no longer is there myspace customization but what would you say yeah. like like this is what i mean i think people would look at it and they're like, oh, well, who cares if Apple flattens their buttons? But it's like, it's more than that. It's it's not just Apple flattening their buttons. It's more like we're attuned to like this sleek, clean pod existence, bug man type of uh, graphic <laughs> design. Well, I would also yeah. add one more thing to that uh, as a question, which is, do you think it would swing back? Because another reply that I've gotten from the graphic designers I contacted was, this is a fad, it's going to go away, something else is going to take its place soon. Well, to that question, you know, this has been a very common retort is like, you know, everything is on, operates on a pendulum. Uh, or we live in cycles. I mean, and if, you know, you could go to, um, what's his name? Uh, who's the guy who's always pushing the cyclical view um, Blanking on his name, but in any case, Ah, uh, no, a more modern, contemporary guy. He's he's gotten very popular recently, but in any case, doesn't matter. Oh, by Main the way, we is, we also have a Zach Lieberman here. Uh, welcome, Zach. Oh, awesome. You're a great great designer, and thank you so much for coming in. Oh wait, actually, could you oh, quick, could you quickly tell us a little bit about yourself before before we com recommence, and also the other people here too, because we have some new people. We have Cameron, we have MK Mafo. Uh, can you guys tell us a little bit about yourself and Zach then as well? So Cameron, start first, real quick, and uh, we'll oh, just hello. I'm a wacky Newgrounds game developer man. I, I'm twenty. I'm twenty-one, and I, I love woman. Oh, I love woman too. No. He loves a woman. <laughs> uh, hold he on. Uh, one question. He made Friday Night Funkin'. I mean, oh yeah, I made a game called Friday Night Funkin'. But more importantly, I love the movie yeah, Grown Ups. Adam Sandler. Have you guys seen that? Uh, Adam Sandler. It's, been, it's been a while. Yeah. It's been a while. MK Mafo, tell us a little bit about yourself. Hello, I am Math Mafalda. I'm from Italy, and I like to <laughs> animate and make cartoons. And that's all you need to know. 
Excellent. That is that is all we need to know. And of course, we exactly. also have a what what region of Italy are you from? I'm from Tuscany, Florence. Oh, okay. A Poland Ooh, tone. Don't ever know. Me, me and Matt <laughs> made a game once. Me and Matt, oh, we, yeah. we made a video game, Ritz. Shout out Ritz. Ritz. I checked it out, by the way, and it looked really cool. It's a cute Hell little, yeah. cute little if you thing. Have a link, <laughs> can we put a link to the game? Or? Ritz DX coming okay, out okay. Yeah, sometime. So, yeah, look up. Send us a link in the uh, chat. I'm going to put it in the Discord uh, for everybody yeah, to see. And of course, and we... Zach... We have Zach Lieberman, who is, yes. uh, would you say, contemporary artist? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm an artist, teacher. I, um, I'm based in New York. I do code-based art, so I'm running software mm. to make um, to make animation, Ooh. interactive work. Um, I'm a professor at MIT in the Media Lab, and I help start a school called the School for Poetic Computation that's in New York. Oh, nice. Excellent. I was checking out your Instagram. You have quite... Um, I think it's really it's really interesting a lot of the digital art scene that's going on. Like I'm I'm more of a traditional painter, but mm-hmm. the stuff that you're doing and the stuff that uh, we've other people have done that we've had on the show is quite interesting. So, uh, yeah, it's it's pure abstraction, pure design, which mm-hmm. is quite fascinating. So, cool. And, and Lev, maybe you want to link his Instagram. Yes, I'm going to do that right <laughs> now. And uh, well, let's uh, let's get into the conversation then. And uh, actually, Zach. Uh, I, I don't know how familiar you are with the flat design, so I think this would be a good opportunity just so we're all on the same page about this. Uh, Eli was talking about it earlier, and now I guess we can talk about uh, why you don't think it's just something that's a fad and why you think it's it's going to have staying power, at least if our consciousness is going to be of the same, of the same spiritual level, I guess. I don't know. So, Eli, uh, let us know what you think. Sure. So... Uh... I looked it up and it's uh, Peter Turchin. He's uh, got this sort of oh, yeah. cyclical view. Um, but in any case, uh, th- there's this idea of this pendulum that you know, it swings one way and then it swings the other. It's going to be minimalist today and then it's going to be dimensional tomorrow. That's true to some extent. You know, we've seen a, an adoption of, as I mentioned, of material design that has sh- that brought back shadows. And then now there's fluent design from Microsoft. Uh, material, by the way, is a Google design. Um, but if you think about there's sort of an institutional knowledge that was basically immediately raised and burned um, in 2013 when everyone decided to stop doing dimensional design. And so, of course, VR has occurred, you know, all of AR as well. These these uh, developments have brought dimension back, whether people like it or not. And of course, the contradiction doesn't bother any of the ideological flat people. And frankly, we're seven years in. Most designers don't care at all about any of this. Frankly, they don't care about aesthetics. I'll just say that. Um, and they never did, but uh, but now it's sort of just a lost art. And so there are people who mostly are quiet, honestly, uh, who do make beautiful things within within m- many of these companies. I would say most of the people who get to these big companies are extremely talented. Um, I think that is just a given. Uh, they 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 spend a lot of time doing this. It's hard not to spend even a year and a half, two years, and not develop some taste and some skill in this area. Um, but many people have been doing it for a long time. But the, the issue is that many of the people who were around in 2006 through 2013, sort of the golden age, as far as I'm concerned, of dimensional design, they've both uh, jumped up in the hierarchy and become more managers or you know, heads of design and stopped doing visuals for the most part, except maybe in their free time. Uh, or if they have, uh, if they did continue making designs, they've maybe moved into other areas like product design, focus more on you know, the user flow and 
generally like how design ties into business. And so these, I mean, that's just the nature of career progressions. Uh, unfortunately in the arts, you don't tend to, at least I guess I shouldn't expand out further than design because that, that's a little bit, uh, it's just not the case necessarily, but certainly in design, the, the only way up, the, the common way up is to move past being a visual designer. Um, and so it's just sort of, I think that we've lost some of this thing. So yes, Dimension will, will be back. It already is to some extent, uh, but we've lost something, I would say permanently uh, from the perspective of dimensional design and those, those sort of principles that were baked into many people's heads, but not weren't necessarily written down in history books. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What, what are good ex examples of dimensional design? Like are there designers or? Yeah. How could I see it? I'm, I'm, uh, so, I just want to make sure like I place it. Sure. And by the way, your, uh, your background's pretty fun. I'm enjoying that right now. <laughs> uh, so an example, probably the most quintessential example would be just looking up the word iOS 6. So that would be sort of the ideal it's, I personally think there were many other individual designs that were much better than that operating system. It wasn't the pinnacle of all dimensional design because of course it was a, a time and place. And we've, the industry has learned a lot about aesthetics. Uh, you could say we've learned a lot about typography, about, you know, about the layout. Um, and, and that's the nature of, you know, almost a decade since then. Uh, but there were many things that we've lost since then that in terms of how we think, as I was mentioning about, uh, about uh, well, here's the transition. Beauty and about yeah, exactly. That's iOS six on the left and iOS seven on the right. So ergonomics, oh, you know, God, one one terrible. of these looks like something you might want to press on because they they look like buttons, frankly. <clears throat> and the other one, they're sort of abstractions, and they don't necessarily tie to real world objects. So that you're saying that? Oh, go on, Chris. Oh, no, you're saying the right ones are the ones? Oh, yeah, so the one on the left, uh, the uh, darker one, that was the right. iOS 6, and the one that on uh, on the right, that's the uh, flatter one, and uh, right. less, right. yeah, l less pressing. So, uh, Zach, I, I think you kind of get, like, uh, what, uh, what we're going with here as far as yeah, what... Yeah, uh, of course, of course, yeah. So, as far, as far as the staying power, then, you're talking about uh, a lot of these people graduating to higher positions, and we also have a question about... Uh, why don't designers care about aesthetics? I, I think there's unfortunately an anti-aesthetic uh, through line in design, which is, it's sort of something I've written about in the Fall of the Designer series, but generally you don't, there's, aesthetics are sort of a given. And there's also a question of competition. Uh, in many companies, there's a variety, uh, a variety of skill levels. And so some people are incredible at visual design and some people are less so. Um, and visual design is something that is very immediately perceptible how, how skilled somebody is. And so, you don't, you know, if you're a humble person, you don't go running around and saying, look, I'm the best, you know, clearly my design is better than yours. So you should have just let me do this. You know, no one, no one's going to like you and you're on your team if you go do that. Um, and so they're, they're sort of formed uh, sort of an opposite of that, where everyone says visual design is totally unimportant. And in fact, if you're an, an excellent visual designer, you say, oh, well, you know, I just draw boxes. I don't, you know, that's what I do for my job. I don't, I don't do anything very important here. Uh, I'm not saving the world. I'm just working for a big tech company. Okay. But 
you know, the, the, there's of course beyond, behind that statement is the truth, which is I'm actually really proud of the fact that everybody knows I drew this thing, I, you know? And, and so, I mean, that's just a, a sort of social phenomenon. Um, I'm kind of forgetting what the question was though. Uh, well, the question was why uh, designers uh, don't uh, are not into aesthetics, and I think uh, I think you pretty much answered that. And uh, we would be able to then from here move on to the uh, humans of flat, which is the extension of uh, flat design. And uh, after that, I also want to compare that to uh, the uh, new ground stuff because a lot of the new grounds uh, we have a lot of new grounds people here, and a lot of the new ground so stuff. It's... Represent, represent. Oh, yes. yeah. I'm also shout, on new ground. Shout out Tom Folk. Shout out, I love yeah, Tom. Yeah, 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 Tom yeah. is great. So <laughs> when it comes to the new ground stuff, what did we have growing up? We had Macromedia, Flash, now it's Adobe. But we basically had this program with vectors where there wasn't that much chance to do a lot of textures. So we were working with pretty flat things and attempting in one way or another with the animation knowledge we had to But, but if you look at um, if you look at something like Bidey of Brackenwood, oh, yeah. it's like took the limitations and they push it to the absolute limit. You know, they really, um, like now I think with the software, it'd be, it'd be a bit easier to make something like Bidey of Brackenwood, even though it would be very difficult. But even at the time, like that was like, seeing Disney tier animation, like theatrical tier animation on a tiny browser was, was really, there's nothing like it, you know. Well, this was also because uh, the uh, creator, Adam Phillips, who I had the honor of meeting back at the Annecy Animation Festival in 2006, uh, he uh, was a Disney animator. Like, he was from that old school draftsmanship. And you could instantly tell that, like, it really didn't matter yeah. what tool you gave the guy. He, like, talk about aesthetics, you know? Like, he was aesthetics all over from head to toe. Yeah, so, yeah. And it's it's so cool to, like, it, it, it's a bit like... You know, like you lose none of the power from the way you saw it. Because when, when I first saw Bi the Bitey videos, that was like that was like back when like the Newgrounds player was like physically smaller. You know, it was like a smaller window. Yeah. Um, and now they got a new player, which is you know really really something, and it's still you know just as good. And, you know, nothing was lost when the player was smaller, and uh, it, it's still it's still amazing. Definitely. And when it comes to contrasting the kind of styles that, you know, you could say that Bidey was influenced by Disney, things were influenced by uh, Warner Brothers, uh, Cartoon Network, so like Dexter's Laboratory probably, you know, all video games, anime especially, all these things went into creating this. And I want to contrast that with Humans of Flat that I see, yeah. you know, like I never, ever, ever saw anything like Humans of Flat on new grounds and i think that there's a reason for that so eli well, maybe yeah. before yes. we go on mm -hmm. maybe we could just like open up the panel to what they think of flat design in general before sure we'll move on yeah. to humans of flat let's so. start to uh with uh cameron oh yes what's the wait what's the question flat design on new grounds or what no, no just flat design what do you think of flat design and also new people don't forget to subscribe right now we are so grateful for you being here click <laughs> everyone, the bell. everyone subscribe everyone subscribe. hit the hit, hit the up Which thumb way? hit the cool smash up that thumb. subscribe button okay <laughs> rate five yes yeah. flat design I, uh, I i i don't like dig super deep into like all these constructs whatever but like it's like uh I do think there is an aspect of the uh, older kind of gradient-y bullshit that's like, that does feel a bit dated where it's like, you know, it's like, oh, okay. It does look like a button, but also it's like, 
you kind of back in those days it's like you kind of needed that in the sense that like no one knew what a touchscreen was in a sense and like all that shit so it's like it's like personally it's but but also to that extent it's like there's like you know minimalism bullshit that's like that that makes me like e yucky <laughs> yucky minimalism so yeah it's yikes for me dog <laughs> i will say that uh i think minimalism could be something that you can explore but when every single corporation it's just to me it's the it's almost like the aesthetic logic of and that would probably be like the subtitle of the book i want to write the aesthetic logic of like you know postmodernity hypermodernity is like that like you know like that's from the jameson book the aesthetic logic of late capitalism but it's the same thing it seems that like it's a very utilitarian design choice and it's a there's a reason why like megacorps and social media use it because it's like literally like it's you can export it throughout the world and nobody will have like some hang cultural hang up associated with the design choice mm. so i don't know if uh, if i could give my thoughts on design i'm actually really disappointed because i i have a big love of bronze age era art and higher and egyptian hieroglyphics and then uh syrian and, kind of that and, era. and that's true stuff, yeah that stuff is really flat but still very beautiful and vibrant so i was really disappointed i was i was thinking like if we were to have a renaissance of you know, this kind of art, I, I kind of would want it to look like that. And I'm, I'm going to post something in the, uh, not in the BTR chat, in the um, sushi, sushi bar. And the sushi bar, this is uh, me and uh, in the Edgar Ward uh, Discord server. We were doing a, a flat art theme, and this is something I made, which was kind of an homage to Egyptian hieroglyphic art uh, right there. Love yeah. reposted. Yeah, so you see, I'm yeah. not, I'm not taking any chances after the the last stream. Okay, here we go. Yes, so here is yeah. the. Well, is that flat? Is that flat art or is that bar relief? Right, like that has dimension. Yeah, well, that's also shows it's a, it's a really that when I drew this, I had no access to a scanner like I do now, so it's a really <laughs> awful quality picture. Um, but I, you know, I, I absolutely love hieroglyphic hieroglyphic art, both Assyrian art and uh, ancient Greek and Greek art. Well, um, let's uh, well let's ask Eli. Eli, do you think that yeah. either this or this is flat art? So this is this gets. I think neither of them are flat art. Uh, really? One is a bas relief, so that's you know inherently because it's, I guess they would chisel it. I'm not a historian on that period, but you know it's it's clearly got dimension and it. Light is you know dealing with that surface in a certain way. Um, and the second one is obviously I, I would assume some sort of pen, maybe um, ink. Uh, and and it is flat in the sense that it's paper, um, but I guess pencil art would be flat in that sense. Flat design yeah. is much is not so much the medium of paper or screen. I mean, in fact, everything on the screen, as, as screen technology is conventionally used uh, currently, there's you know various new technologies that are making other things possible. But generally, uh, all things on the screen are flat, and they're they're a an illusion of dimension. So. Flat design is is the ideology that sort of emerged, uh, and that, I would say that's generally how I would frame it. Not so much that it's flat physically to the touch, uh, so much as what what is it portraying? Flatness or or dimension? Eli, um, I, I really would like to I'm ask you something. Curious um, for uh, Eli, like for flat design, uh, can it have black outlines around it and still be flat, or does it have to have that non silhouetted, just like uh, the shapes kind of go into each other? Like, uh, what, like, oh, go ahead. Well, then, oh, no, uh, I was just, yes. Does and that then, count as flat design? Like, if, if those characters that were on, like, the 
uh, the thumbnail border for this for this video uh, that I saw like promoted. It's like if that has like black outlines around it, does that does that cancel out this like uh, subsect of flat art, or is this because it's still using the same uh, design? So we're getting into humans of flat now, and uh, I would say it really depends. I think you can tell humans of flat sort of more, less by whether it has outlines or not, because there's so many variations. There's ones that look like corduroy or ones that have uh, sort of various types of shading like cross hatching. And there's ones that have various textures and are they flat? Well, in fact, we, we'll get into this, but 3D things can be humans of flat. Um, photography can even be humans of flat because, wow. and I guess since we're here, I may as well just say it. Um, humans of flat design doesn't mean the people are flat or that the, the actual medium looks like flatness. That often is the case and that's, that's fine. But humans of flat is a historical uh, connotation which refers to flat design occurring and humans being a, an inter, something that was interjected into the interface. So humans of flat design means flat design occurred and then people, designers, illustrators, inserted humans into those flat designs. It doesn't mean the humans are flat, many times they are. But to your question, it could have outlines. It's more to do with the ideology and all of the things that are part of that ideology than it is to do with the actual medium or the technique of, of rendering humans as being flat. There's a, uh, there's a rich history to about that said, well. uh, ideology. There's a really good video called What Defined the 2000s by Knowledge Hub. And basically he says that the 2000s were defined by things being over the top. Uh, a lot of like flashing lights. You see this in movie trailers. There's a lot of like bombastic uh, orchestras. And I was just looking at the old, uh, like the old Chrome logo, the old Pepsi logo, and they, they look wet and they look shiny. Like they're, they're reflecting light and they don't look flat design at all. And this kind of video explains that, you know, the 2000s could be everything that was over the top and bombastic and the 2010s could be everything that was like wee, kind of minor and you see this with like the rise of kind of like you know folk pop uh hipster culture stuff like that um why why do you think uh this ideology came about in the 2010s to want to essentially to want less to want things quieter uh less kind of flashy less aesthetic and also i don't know how kurt eichenwald made it out of the 2000s alive but anyway uh, let's oh, get to your life. <laughs> are we about to get into tentacles here <laughs> I think humans of flat. It's it's kind of I don't know. It's in some ways it is toned down, but in other ways there's very garish pastel color choices, which we could get into. You're, you're right. It is it is very yeah. garish, but I'm also noticing like in, in the aesthetics of people. Like there's a lot of not very attractive looking people. There's not a lot of muscle bound men. There's not a lot of you know like conventionally attractive women. There's a lot of like you know there's a lot of obesity. I notice. Which, which well, that's the point. That's the. Yeah. That's the whole point. Well, and, and I wonder how this came about. And I'm wondering if this 2000s, 2010s, 2010s divide that I'm talking about might have like played a role in it. Well, it's like a destroy. It's like a destroying of archetypes, where you would have certain archetypes that you would see back in the 50s, where they had like flat type art, like on the cereal boxes and the commercials. But you knew yeah. like what symbolized a woman and what symbolized a man, and so on and so forth. And even emotionally like you would have certain emotions that would come out of these characters that don't come out of these flat design people who seem to be devote uh, devoid of any emotion whatsoever well, yeah, we'll often... so eli will respond and i'm curious to hear uh zachary and other people's thoughts on this so. yeah absolutely yeah one, one, one question ahead. i would have is like what are 
what is the relationship of tools with the design style? So for example, mm. you know, Flash has been mentioned and obviously Flash has a really strong, you know, had a really strong aesthetic impact on people's work and sort of suggested a certain style, a certain style of motion, a certain style of graphics. Then you have, you know, I mean, I could see things like Photoshop layer styles and, you know, people using Sketch or Figma, like how, how does that, how do the tools impact the, the design language and do they reflect um, aesthetic concern? Do they shape aesthetic concern? You know, what can we trace changes in, we're talking about like the difference between two, 2000 to 2010, is it a difference in tools? Is it a different in taste? You know, that I'm, I'm really concerned with tools. I would be really curious to hear more about yeah. that. I think some of the new grounds people should speak up on this because I feel like you guys have a lot to say on, you know, you guys have been doing this for a long time. So definitely. Notice interested. the past tense with flash though, that the quick. I'm sorry. Unfortunately. End of an era. End of an era. Yeah. Was something, it was something I was talking about earlier or a few days ago or a week ago, at least with uh, in the context of games of the fact that like certain flash games had the art style and like designed it. In, uh... Whoa. This is kidney, by the way. This is a uh, bison kidney, but go on. Scrumptious, oh quite scrumptious. Oh, I would like some of that. I like that on the burger. Oh boy. Bison. But like, but, like certain gross. flash games had like a, a design aspect, uh, you know, like Alien Hominid, you know, that, that yeah. only, uh, that really made it its bones on Newground, didn't it? That was the yeah, yeah. Ga yes. major game, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that 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 kind of happened because like Flash was this tool where like animator and programmer like came together and like the animator knew a little bit of code and like programmer Tom Falp knew the way his way around Flash and like so it it, it turned itself into this like highly animated little running gun and like that wouldn't you know like like compare it now you know it's like without a lot of work you know something like that wouldn't uh be as accessible through like something like unity I i'm going through it through like the context of games of like you know all these yeah. uh different di how different softwares kind of influence different like design decisions and like that or like like I guess I guess one of the closest examples you have is like Cuphead, where it's like that super animated, mm -hmm. and of course they had to do like a lot of work on that. But it's like, you know, well that was paper. Cuphead's impressive. That was yeah, not yeah, that visual was paper at all. And all that. I think even yeah, just yeah. like even just finding exploits in technology in the early days really got people along a long way. Even people that don't necessarily have technical skills, like. I know this is like a totally stupid example, but this is like within keeping of the BTR lore. But Chris Chan, you know what he used to do? <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> he used to take his, his drawings, he would scan them, he would like record them with his like PS3. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he would, he would he found a way to point and click in uh, Microsoft Paint. So he would like insert the texts 
like really jarbled like like because he didn't know anything about how com like comic artists do the actual bubble text but yeah. he would like insert the bubble text <laughs> everywhere and that's the way because he couldn't like physically draw yeah, and the letters well. would never fit yeah, the letters would always carry over to another panel or something like that. well even no. just something like logan paul finding out how to click the button an extra way on the on the vine video got yeah. him like so many hundreds of thousands more views than his brother like, stuff like that i feel is like there's always a back door in technology. Like, I don't know, maybe you guys yeah. were around in the early days of Newgrounds. My friend, yeah. my I have two friends who are like really into this. And they said that the, the li very limited flash tools you had, it's like you had to find different ways to like layer and actually like put out a decent yeah. product. Yeah. So, I think yeah, it definitely forced people to like figure out how to do things. Like it was just a matter of like, I'm going to do this. I just got to figure out how I'm going to do it. Yeah. It's very sad that flash is gone because now, it's uh, all there's gonna be so many projects now where there's hidden little Easter eggs that you can't click on anymore to see little uh, disguised penises all over the screens. There's so <laughs> many old cartoons, all these penises lost. It's very sad. <laughs> Someone in the chat, everything's gonna be busted. No. Someone so in the sad. chat asked, Who's Chris Chan? That's like the worst question you could ever ask. Someone. Uh -oh. <laughs> <laughs> Boo! How could it. you say so, that? Oh my god. Well, It'll open you up to a different world. But anyways, yeah. Uh, yeah, so the two that was a very interesting question, Zach. I think it is true. Even in the art world, I feel that different tools, I'm not a digital artist myself, but certainly my work has been influenced by digital, like, you know, meme culture. And mm. that that's sort of like getting off topic, but I feel that maybe Humans of Flat Design, it's the same way. It's sort of like, to me, it feels like it's more than a trend it's more than an art movement because it has, in my opinion, Humans of Flat Design is a synthesis of not just design choices within the tech world, but also our, our aesthetic choices that have stemmed from a very, very long history of abstraction from going from, you know, Cezanne to Picasso to Georges Braque to even right up into Keith Haring, uh, pop art, Lichtenstein, but they were doing something different. I feel that Humans of Flat Design is doing something fundamentally different from people within the art world who are trying to express a more polymorphous form of subjectivity. To me, I look at Humans of Flat Design, I'm looking at a corporatized subjectivity, a, a neoliberal subjectivity. So I don't know, maybe Zachary and then Eli and, and other people can comment. Yeah, uh, Corpse, I know you have, uh, yeah, yeah Chris, everyone. Can we also define a neoliberal for the uninitiated? Well, t yeah, to me, I would say that, it, again, it's like postmodernism. It's like a term that nobody can put down. But basically, it's the the fundamentalist view of not just economics, but also the post-war Western uh, social world being spread throughout the rest of the globe through globalization like a like a total cancer. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's uh, cosmopolitanism and cosmopolitanism. And, and also I would say key parts of it. there's key a great parts. book. There's a great book I would highly recommend. And maybe Levy could throw it in the chat um, called Deculturation. I'm, I'm reading this right now. It's by, um, by Thorsten Bortz, uh, Botts Bornstein, The New Aesthetics of Deculturation, Neoliberalism, Fundamentalism, and Kitsch. And basically deculturation is the force of uh, neoliberal liquid modernity. It is taking the cultures and the enculturation of different art movements and artists themselves and it's throwing that out the window for what uh Borstein calls like just like kitsch has invaded all of life 
And this is because there are various logics to that that have stemmed from globalized corporate modernity where everything has to be a way of selling everyone throughout the world a similar products, but not just selling it, but selling identities themselves. And therefore you have to gut originality and culture if you want to expand a certain singular aesthetic logic throughout the whole world. And I feel that humans of flat design is that logic because like literally Mm -hmm. you can import these multicultural misshapen figures throughout the whole world, like like some kind of like, you know, MRE that you can plant in a war zone. And it's like a vegetarian MRE that has no, that has all these dietary uh, considerations. And And bugs. And well, a lot of them are, yeah, bug protein. So it's, yeah, to me, yeah. it's similar. It's similar to this one Emery that uh, Steve 1989 reviewed, where it was like the first, it came from, it was from 1999. It was like the first like total multicultural uh, Emery that you could just plant. But people don't know, it means meal ready to eat. It's the, the bags of food that they give out to war zones and all that. Yeah. yeah. And to and me, it's almost like- have different MREs. Different exactly. But months, this yeah. is like the first universal one that the UN came out with. To mm-hmm. me, I- I equate that with humans of flat design because if you need a quick and easy and cheap corporate design that can deal with these various um, these various problems with different cultures, to me it just flattens all those distinctions. And this is my thesis on humans of flat design: why it is the aesthetic choice of hyper modernity because you could put it anywhere, and it's very like polymorphous and it just totally destroys culture the way that Hollywood totally destroyed culture with globalization, yeah. in my opinion. So and that's also know, another worry I have yeah. that uh, I think obesity is a problem. I think general unhealthiness is a problem. I need, I think people oh, yeah. like, I think we need heroes like Conan the Barbarian or like kind of like eighties action heroes in a way, but, but definitely something older than that. And that's kind of what bothers me with flat design. It's like, you know, like, it's like you're settling for less. It's like, oh, everyone looks like a horrible misshapen blob. I, I shouldn't try to, you know, improve yeah. myself. I'm worried it sends that message. But also, the deculturation also takes unique cultures and then flattens them down into a paste where they're just like trinkets mm. you buy when you go to a cheap vacation to Mexico or wherever. Or if you're in, in England, you go to a cheap vacation in India and you buy some like, I don't know, some like local trinket. That to me is almost a similar aesthetic, or, or, or even, or even in phrases. I would argue the uh, the the words used today, uh, like the people of color, for instance, are saying black and brown people. It seems like people are just IPOC? mushed, mushed, That's... yeah, mushed into particular categories and kind of robbed of yeah. their particular ethnic, uh, you know, much yeah, much more interesting nuance about the culture. Like, like there's a lot more to a culture just clothes and food but neoliberalism often yeah. reduces it to just clothes food and the mor- and, and morality too and like like you know yeah. how uh how you yourself should be moral by really really liking or supporting or giving money to, to this or that Wait, kind of person yeah. chris, hastings so in the chat. chris hastings in the chat says the canadian emery's suck i don't know i thought that <laughs> steve 1989 said the canadian emery's are pretty good maybe they do suck but i don't know I heard some of the American ones are pretty ghastly, but that's... The yeah. sausages. <laughs> the American it. ones have these stupid sausages that everybody hates it, like the yeah. sausages of death there. Or the vomlet, the early 2000s vomlet. <laughs> yeah. so, yeah. We totally destroyed the topic. So maybe if you, you know, Zachary and, and Eli, you could get in on this. But sir, I'll shut up for now. This was just my spiel about humans of flat design. So oh forthcoming God. book, hopefully. <laughs> hopefully with Eli, forthcoming book. So... Mm-hmm. <laughs>
Yeah, I mean, I think one thing um, that I always think about with big tech companies is that they're just the investment they have in storytelling. And I, I haven't really thought about it from a design sense. So this is a really, for me, an interesting conversation. But I think a lot about it because I work with, you know, augmented reality or machine learning. And I think one of the challenges is that these companies have they have a very strong interest in promoting a narrative, right? They have, they want to have a conversation around machine learning. They want to set the terms of the conversation. They want to set the language. And so I think it's really important to be aware of that and to maybe not out, outwardly reject that, but to say, okay, I'm, I'm an artist or designer. I have another opinion about that. I want to tell a different story with these, um, these technologies. So I think that there's an interesting question about storytelling. Um, I will also say that there are, illustrators who do really great work in this style. And I think a lot of times what maybe what we might be responding to are sort of the, like, these are not the illustrators that we love. These are kind of knockoffs and that they're, they're like, they're an approximation of something that is aesthetically really interesting. So for example, I think of Jocelyn size, uh, like an illustrator who, whose work I really love, I'm going to paste it in the chat, you know, and she draws these flat human, forms i mean it's different but it has the kind of you know very like flat vibe to it um but it's for me like really aesthetically interesting and the compositions that she's doing are, are um i find really fascinating so i wonder if what one thing that we might be responding to is that it's almost like a kind of copy of an art style or it's an approximation of it of an illustration yeah yeah i, yeah. I was going in line with that where it's just like i feel like when I see these designs and my general idea is it's kind of just flat design is very bland to me. It's very boring, but uh, I, I can understand, I guess, from a corporate design point, like why they enforce it. Cause it's like, I can only imagine there's so many art graduates that are not the, the greatest, but they could all probably sync on to like this one easy globable kind of like format, you know, it's, it's very like, like, hey, you can't you can't stylize. It's all right. We got this style that you know everybody's working with. This, it's like a very, uh, like yeah, it's it's very corporate, like you were saying. Uh, well, Eli, like, oh, go on. Oh no, no, I just. Well, Eli forced. also. Uh, Stop me. Well, Dan, love, throw uh, some of her work in the chat. I did. Yeah, yeah, looking here, at here Jocelyn's. So work, here, it's... here is one example over here, and uh, I feel I'm like you know, as much as I'm shitting on flat design, I feel that. Jocelyn's work here is is different in that it's responding to a tradition of pop art that has been around since at least the late 70s. Yeah, uh, I well, yeah, I, yeah, I, I'd argue I in a certain that... way that uh, Rebecca Sugar is also kind of flat art, even though it's technically not flat, but it's flat in a yeah, spiritual it's that, sense. Yeah, but, but yeah. like what I mean is like it's it comes from a tradition of things like pop art and graffiti art and urban art that uh, had to be replicated very quickly with uh, a lot of the the posters and the graffiti scenes uh that type of graphic design so in my opinion i, I wouldn't totally discount her work because it has a genealogy it's responding to something whereas i think what eli eli you you said this to me once you said that you have to realize a lot of the flat design you see in the corporate world is basically being generated by computer graphics. It doesn't even have any like real like artistry behind it. It's like sort of like a um, trying to take like a computer model 
and and some artists have done that like for example gearhead richter he did that with stained glass where he took computer generated numbers and he made stained glass windows but like the, this is like pure like corporate bloodsuckery compared to this stuff and i mean a lot of people they can discount this kind of minimalist art and they're like oh that's shit that's not real art but to me i'm just saying it has something more to it than a lot of like corporate yeah. flat design i don't know so i, I don't mean it, I, so so zachary don't 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 think I'm shitting on your friend. You're, you're, no, and, no, and by no, the way, Zachary, I know I've seen your work before because you were in you were in MoMA, if I recall correctly. So I've seen you around. It's I'm like I'm I looked I looked up your name like, holy shit, this dude has a Wikipedia page. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So Eli, what do you think about this? Do you think this is a terrible, egregious, uh, terrible artwork, or do you think that's I don't know. Well, <laughs> I would say we we shouldn't go easy on Zach's friend. I mean, we should. I would say a couple of things. So let me run down. So hmm. to the question of, uh, her name is Jocelyn, I think. Uh, yeah. Her art, I, I would say it is aesthetically in line with, and in fact, it looks like she was uh, hired by the New York Times to do something. So uh, that's absolutely within the realm of this introduction of this particular aesthetic. Forget the ideology for a second into uh, sort of the online space. Uh, but. The question is not so much whether she's a talented artist. I mean, it looks like she can grasp form and certainly has a good sense of contour composition. and yeah. uh, composition. Of course, these are all, you know, these are just, this is, there's, there's a de-scaling that has definitely occurred with Humans to Flat where designers and illustrators employing it may actually not even be, have an illustration background um, may not have much interest, frankly, in that area. And so that, that's the case. I, I don't think that's the case with your friend, uh, Jocelyn. But I will say the general ideology of removing sort of specific humans, and, and this doesn't, I think somebody mentioned this idea of having sort of masculine, uh, muscled out people as an ideal. Yeah, that, I, 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 I basically said I kind of long for more aesthetic men and women. Yes, and, and so that's For I think more bronze as in, age women. Yeah, right. yeah bronze definitely age. bronze. Yeah. Yes, uh, always. You know, we need to recognize that. But uh, the question I think I would say is, why are we putting humans in interfaces at all in the first place? Um, that is sort of the fundamental question. We didn't have humans in interfaces pre 2013, 2014. Now we did have occasionally you would see stock imagery with uh, you know the, your standard diverse cast of people, most of whom are hired for that photo shoot and do not work at the company regardless of their race. Um, but, but generally, uh, we didn't have humans and interfaces. Um, another thing that was mentioned, I think Gio, you said this, was that, um, that sort of it's easier, that it's more efficient to make these illustrations. Um, and I'll, I'll get to the question of the automation aspect. But I would say the, the real constraint with illustration in UI design is not that it's the timeline. I mean, sometimes that is the case, sometimes, especially for editorial illustration, like the case of that New York Times uh, illustration, you know, then there's a tight timeline because there's the article's got to be delivered. Um, but often with, with uh, and this gets to the automation question, often what's, what's recently been happening is there's what's called illustration systems, a term I came up with in about 2017, uh, but you can no longer access the record of that because my account Eli underscore shift on Twitter was uh, suspended. But in any case, uh, illustration systems emerged from what's called design systems, which has gone on for 20 years, but has really solidified into a movement. And something that I actually focus on in my, in my design work um, 
in the stuff that I do day to day. But illustration systems really are not, I mean, in some cases they are, are automated. You just kind of click a few buttons and spit out an illustration. Um, but generally illustration systems are more about guidelines and about ideals. Uh, and in that case, they can take time to do. I mean, making a custom illustration that actually is targeted to a given sub page on a website that actually is relevant to that page in, in any possible way, even if it's abstract, even if it sort of only vaguely makes sense for that page, people do take time. That could take weeks, potentially, maybe even months, depending on what, what level of the system you're in. Um, and, and just to the question of automation, this stuff has been sort of commodified. Um, Pablo Stanley is somebody, talented illustrator, he created, he's created multiple collections, but he has one very popular one called Humans with three A's. And uh, I'll post it in the chat. But basically it lets you sort of select a bunch of parameters. And from there you get to have a bunch of sort of vaguely abstract uh, diverse humans that you can insert into any company. And it doesn't actually relate to the company, although you can change the colors and Basically, you can you can change the compositions. Um, and there's like some illustrations of chairs and wheelchairs and plants and other things in the background that you can put. Um, but this has been used by tons and tons of companies, some that have more than enough budget to make their own custom illustrations. And the question is, why are they even inserting humans in the first place? Um, and I think that is something that is worth discussing. Uh, I would put that to the group and see how where where people come on that question. What the fuck? I didn't know the word custom things like this, like dolls, like a, I didn't know. This is, this is blowing my mind. I, know. I, did, I didn't know there were, there were custom, like a uh, low Google uh, humans. That's so weird. <laughs> Moffa, what enemy is that? Humans by the way? Google. Well, that's Ev Evangelion, what? isn't it? But it's, oh, is that Evangelion? <laughs> it looks like a dating oh, yeah. sim. That's a, yeah. yeah. <laughs> she kills well, and, him with the brick. I would just say another point on this. This is actually an interesting one because Pablo actually has chosen somewhat realistic humans that could exist. But generally, one thing that I've noticed is it's not so much about representing the real diversity of humanity uh, as it exists. Generally, it's making not only these blob forms that really don't correspond to any human being, but also colors that are totally unrelated, like skin colors that don't match or or even skin, skin colors that do exist, but then having hair colors that simply, you know, maybe there's someone who, who had some odd mutation and you've got like, I don't know, albino people. They yeah, exist. and also, and, and like, even they, if it was artificially dyed, it still wouldn't look like that. Right, like, exactly. Like dyed hair would look different as well. Right, or, or pink skin. I mean, people might have yeah. peach colored skin, but no one has pink skin or, um, you know, blue skin. And, and the well, question is, yeah. Well, it's similar, again, going back to Rebecca Sugar for a minute, who I think is a fantastic illustrator. Like, as far as uh, draftsman quality goes, like we talked about this before multiple times, we had on, uh, uh, you know, we what is going on with me? We had on uh, Earthworm Jim. What was going on? What was his name? Hold on. Uh, Doug Tenapple. We had Doug Tenapple on, and he said uh, that, you know, she saw him at the conventions, and she, her work was inspired by his. And as far as you guys know, you guys know uh -oh, Earthworm Jim. problematic. Problem yes. <laughs> so you guys, you guys uh -oh. could see a lot of quality in there, but what she ended up adding into it with something like Steven Universe was, like, all of these multicolored uh, beings that can merge into each other, and the difference between, like, man and woman started to blur. 
which is why I said before, even though technically it's not a flat style, there is something humans are flat about Steven Universe. Like, I don't know, Eli, would you agree, or uh, what do you think? Maybe if you could describe what the what the sort of framework of Steven Universe is. I, I, is this maybe sort of like Callert's question that people well, they about? Well, they do talk about it being the CalArts style, which is ironic, because uh, she was a classmate of mine in School of Visual Arts. But uh, here is a photo just from uh, Steven Universe, and you could kind of compare it to the image right above. So these are the characters from Steven Universe, and these are the uh, characters from whatever blush yeah. happens to well, be. Well, notice how, like, um, I forget the character's name, but her afro is literally square. You know, it's yeah. a Burn it. And I think her name is... Um, Garnet. 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 What's the skinny one called? Garnet? No, no. Uh, pearl. pearl. No, skinny one's pearl. Pearl, yeah. I do have a garnet, by the way, in my crystal collection. Yeah. So why don't I whip that out while yeah. you guys are talking? Yeah. But, but, uh, but I'll like, watch I the show, man. Because, like, pearl's made out of triangles, and I think that that's very interesting. Like, you can see the hair. Like, it's kind of just points straight forward as if, like, it's, like, black, you know, like, gel or something. You know, so that's very, like, very, very geometric characters. And, well, uh, yeah. To the question. Oh, good. No, go ahead. With the Steven Universe characters, I mean, the one in the front is, the, the, the two people on the front and the right are vaguely realistic. Um, they could exist. Uh, the, the thing that I think characterizes the other two are, a sense of alienation. Why would someone, I mean, cartoons have always been unrealistic. So I guess I would say that medium is sort of unfair to critique Steven Universe for being like not corresponding to reality. Because kind of, we generally like to have sort of hyper real or strange even things in our cartoons. But if, if we were to critique it, I mean, I would say there's the reason why it's so popular potentially among a lot of people who are pro-humans of flat is because there's a sense of alienation that many people feel today. And sort of this idea of wanting to feel included or belonging, which we don't have in, in most, most young people just simply are not part of any coherent community. And so one, one way of making everyone feel like they belong is to represent everyone. That would be the sort of diversity ideal, but you could represent diversity in a non-alienating way. And yet many times we, we have these sort of alienating forms that don't, that don't really make us feel like we belong per se. But it sort of wraps around uh, in a strange way where if you make everyone, it, rather, if you represent everyone as a non-human, then there's no real human that could represent a specific person. And then that way, everyone belongs because no one belongs, because we're always representing the non-existent and therefore like you, you, could, you could fit in this because your body doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who you are. You, your money, your money belongs with our our uh, Silicon Valley company. Yeah, throw throw it to us. Very you know? much is post-human art in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or even anti-human in a way. And, yes, um, be yes. Because it, it's sort Look of like rock. you. You're an abstraction. All that matters <laughs> is that you can click. Oh, we've got a rock on the screen, and then we've got Lev. <laughs> I have a huge collection of crystals that I like to uh, show off. Since we were just talking about Garnet, I showed off my yeah. Garnet over we here. We are the export broadcast. Yeah, you know, this dude's a Steven so, Universe fan. Also, also on the topic that. of uh, Rebecca Sugar and the <laughs> sushi bar, I'm posting one of my favorite bits of uh, sugar art she did for one of my favorite comics, The Goon. And it's very interesting how different this looks to like her later Cartoon Network stuff. Yeah, you know, like the, to me it looks very different, but that is her art, and I think it looks really good. I mean, it's, the pilot to Steven Universe—it's it's so cool, but I, I guess it's too 
gangly and too uh, personal. To... Well, it's very I think inspiring. The style would have been too hard to animate. Like, I think it's, it's a lot easier with the way they look now. Well, it's very inspired by Ducks yeah, and but... Apple's work. Like, but a, that's yeah. kind of bullshit because, like, if anyone can make like anything, like animate a lot, if they really want to, and the and the network permits. Yeah, but, but doesn't that um? I mean, tell me if I'm wrong, but I thought that show had a lot of problems with production and, and budget. Like, I thought they were keep getting delayed, and the network was giving them a lot of problems. Yes, yeah, I don't remember what what were the specifics. I haven't watched the. Yeah, I know that they have a series. A Tumblr cash cow. Yeah. Well, as far as Tumblr goes, they have their own kind of Tumblr girl style where it looks a bit like Disney art, where they have similar faces to the ones that are like in The Little Mermaid and Belle and, uh, you know, that uh, that classic Disney kind of like neoteny face going on. But at the same time, it also morphed into something slightly different. And uh, I think well, that's... I call it, yeah. What do you call well, it? I call it like the post... The post Tumblr aesthetic that is very similar in some ways to flat design, in that you have a lot of um, neoteny combined with anime, combined with traditional Western animation, and you have like this sort of eclectic mix that defies any sort of specific aesthetic consideration to make like it's it's very much like I would call Tumblr girl kitsch, where it's very pretty like pastel-y type um, first-year art school type of art, put it that way. And it's mm. got, like, no coherent influence. It has, like, borrows from, like, anime and borrows from Disney and, and all this different stuff. So, yeah. It is very mishmashy. That's some of the best uh, funny, bad fetish art, though, was on Tumblr, too. <laughs> oh, yeah, no doubt. <laughs> well, we, well, didn't, well, they ban, didn't they ban pornographic content, though? We were saying they all came to like, Newgrounds. Yeah, they all either came to Newgrounds or they came to Twitter. All, Twitter, the, all yeah. the cool people came to Newgrounds. All the shitty people I, came to Twitter. Well, we have a comment from a scum sucking Slimer. I love saying that name. Uh, Western cartoons are just plain ugly. The West needs to start wholesale exacto copying Japan in the same way Japan copied the West to jumpstart it to cartoon tradition. What do you guys think? Yeah, I, I don't really agree with that because there's so many cartoons out there. You know, some of them I look, I think look pretty, pretty nice. Um, but like, like one of my favorite cartoons is Super Jail. And that's a hideous yeah. fucking cartoon, but I, yes. I wouldn't change it for the world. <laughs> oh, I wouldn't like, call like, it. Like, if I were to make that, like, more attractive... No, no, like, I would, oh, I would, I would, I, like that, that doesn't count. That does not count, because I think really? if we're talking <laughs> about... Yeah, if we're talking about people like that, like Jenny Tertakovsky, Craig McCracken, if we're talking about, like, the OGs, as well as uh, Christy Caracas, I consider him, he's the creator of Super yeah. Jail, to be a part yeah. of that. Like, he's part of, like, the OG New York animation community that I yeah. grew up with. And, like, these people, they are rare, they are one of a kind, and... You uh, we're talking mostly about like the overarching style that uh, you oh, know. Oh, I see. Okay, so not like, Western animation at all. Like, uh, like Thundercats, like, like the new Thundercats. Oh, okay. okay, yeah. Um, or like Teen Titans Go or whatever, like that type is, of cheap. Yeah. Is Butch, Hard Butch Hardman might be like the Western flat design king. He's got. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! I'm gonna show you a cursed, up? a cursed image of uh, when he drew Naruto. Let me see if I can yes. find that. Yes. Uh, <laughs> oh also, have you noticed for a guy who claims who's like his bread and brother's uh, flat design and geometric shapes, he can't draw straight lines anymore? I wonder what happened. Like some kind of war wound or something? Some kind of stroke? Here is the Naruto one. pressure doesn't work. 
Okay. Oh, cursed oh, cursed oh, or not cursed? Yo, killing it with Naruto there, dude. <laughs> It's, it's funny because I think this isn't Ooh. as bad as there, there's, like, some, there's something about stuff. the pressure that doesn't work. I, I don't know how to put <laughs> yeah, it's so it's putting. That's about the lighting. Stuff. Like the lighting, I, I don't get what they're in front of. Chester's lighting. It's like is really when they funny. tried to get Mobius to do Batman, it's just not going to work. <laughs> yeah. Why would you want to? Like, yeah. but I kind of like the 2000 aspect of the, of the picture, like the, the gradient. I kind of yeah. like that, but well, I, I don't yeah. like the, the line I, yeah. work. I want. I want cool. to go to. I want to go to Zach. So, uh, Zach, what do you think about these cartoon aesthetics that we're talking about? I know it's kind of going away <laughs> from the conversation about the flat art, but uh, what do you what do you make personally? Like, uh, you grew up with cartoons. Uh, I take it, or or no, or you, your parents forbid you for to watch cartoons. I, I don't know. And also, and also, Zach, explain what you're doing yeah. artistically at the moment. Yes. Like, what is yeah, your, but I grew up with and, cartoons. Like, I think I'm like 20 years older than all of you guys. So. Um, I, grew up, I grew up with cartoons, but I, I probably, probably didn't grow up with the same cartoons. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, this, sorry, what was the question? What am I doing now? Well, yes, what are you doing now? And also, what do you think about these uh, cartoon styles, these aesthetics that we're talking about? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know how to respond to the, the, the um, statement about America needs to copy Japan or Japan copy America or whatever. Like, I, I don't have an opinion about that. I, I think that there's a lot of really interesting things happening. I love actually um, uh, Steven Universe, like my daughter really loves it, you know, so I, I watch it with her. She loves it. And it's, it's been super awesome to, to get into a new um, show. I don't know. I'm in terms of what I'm doing now, I, I, and I do animation, right? I'm really focused on movement. And I come up, the reason that I was so excited about this, like the reference to Flash and thinking about Flash is that that was for me an entry point. And I got into coding through Flash and it kind of opened up a door for me. And there's a whole generation of people that are like that, you know, where the moment you could write a line of code and just see something move, that, that was exciting. Um, and I do, that's what I do. So I write software, I do interactive work, augmented reality. I do a lot, post a lot on Instagram. So I think I, one thing I think about is how flat, this flat design um, becomes, how there are certain styles, like certain mediums, whether it's like maybe the website or interface leads to a certain kind of um, style. And on Instagram, you see a lot of kind of similar styles where people get excited about something, whether it's a plugin, whether it's a color palette. You know, recently there's been a lot of um, like Instagram posts where people are trying to tell it, like make make a political point or tell a story, but it has a very it has a very strong look, right? The sort of text and carousel image thing. Um, there's a you know, and I, and I think about that like there there are these. Um, fads that happen and how much of that is because that's like of the zeitgeist of the moment how much of that is the tool how much of that is the platform and um yeah and i yeah that's what i do and would you would you see it as a net positive or negative because to me i almost and this is the criticism i have of people uh the instagram generation a lot of people that i know who are in, into fine art it's mm. almost limiting in the sense that you have to compete with certain metrics of like yeah. what is going to garner an audience, what's going to garner eyeballs, what's going yeah. to what I would like to call grammable kitsch. 
is very prominent, like the very flashy color palettes. And yeah, very... yeah, yeah, yeah. You so, see it if you, you say if that you... again. Grand Bale's kitsch. Grammable, <laughs> like you know when they say it's grammable, like this photo or Gra this okay. artwork is grammable. And... I like to call it grammable kitsch, and like uh, you like, know it like when you see it. A lot. I yeah. like that term a lot. For some reason, I thought you said Grand Belial's kitsch, and that was, that was a funny term. <laughs> Grand Belial. Well, I mean, Bel Belial could have. Uh, uh, I, I would say Moloch and Ball have more to do with it. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry for interrupting. Moloch, yeah. no problem. No, but yeah, grammable but you see, kitsch. But you see it, and you see, and and um, I mean, there's some challenges. Like if you're using, so I use Instagram. I post every day, right? I post something every day, and you, it's it, there are traps, right? You, it's a trap if you're sort of chasing after likes. If you're sort of, it becomes almost like, like the worst, the worst way. The worst thing is that it's like aesthetic. Um, I don't know, like it's like athleticism, like you're trying to show off with your yeah. aesthetics, you know. And the the best thing is that you can you can learn, right? You can learn, you can get information, you can post things. And what for me, what's interesting is if I post something and people don't like it, but I like it, or if I post something that I don't like and other people like, that's interesting. That is telling me that there's a mismatch between my my what what i'm producing in the world and that and then i can say oh, i want to lean into that or i don't or you know and, and then you become like an audience tester after with your art so that yeah but also yeah. you're learning like how are my ideas in and out of harmony with the world and like mm. where do i want to just put my weight on it you know and push something like to the extreme and see how i want to make something that people really don't like like i want to just like push it yes. push it push it yeah. you know and yeah. if you're chasing after likes you're going to make things which are shiny and bright and and kitsch but if you're pushing to make poetry if you're pushing to make something which is like surprising to you yeah. then you're going to be in a constant battle with your audience where you're trying to like just see <laughs> You know, I have these ideas and I don't know how to express them well enough. And to me, that's really fascinating. Yeah, that kind absolutely. of back and forth. Yeah. Well, it's like a, a good example for the animators in the chat here. It's like the way that YouTube basically murdered uh, animation <laughs> by yeah. changing the algorithm. Yeah. Yeah. Just yeah. destroying a whole generation of animation in animation. They yeah. had to rely on game grumps from here on in to... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> or like those really shitty story time animations. Or There are some people oh, that God. do a good like Quixar, that guy. He does it pretty good. But the, it's still very simplistic. I mean... Yeah, it's t it's just a tragedy what the pursuit again. If you read, <laughs> let me pull it up here. Let me pull it out. And subscribe. if you read Mark Fisher's capital, even Ooh. though I'm a you know I'm a, a based reactionary, Mark Fisher's capitalist realism. If you read that, that really that's basically capitalist realism in action, in my opinion. Also, Dave Harvey's neoliberalism. But that's uh well the yeah question... the way that YouTube destroyed animation is really. Oh boy. Oh well, boy. when when no one right now uh, says uh, what sells, what's interesting for me here is I remember we were talking with our great patron, Iman Sadhu, uh, who uh, said that he's in advertising and he says that he's surprised by certain decisions that advertising agencies make that aren't really making them any money, but it's just something like, uh, I know, maybe it's uh, ideo ideological or it's forced through, you know, just to make sure that, you know what I mean, just like to be very politically correct about it. But uh, well, well, I think maybe the, the changing of skin tones to like rainbow colors, might that might be a part of it. So that way you don't offend anybody. Sure. Yeah. But also, you know, you know everyone's funny. included if no one is when you think about it. You know, if there's no realistic skin tones, no but one's included. So no one has to be worried about. Yeah. you know um you know how, the, how they're being for representation that's the word i'm looking for 
you know, you know if, if no one's represented, represented, then no one has to complain about being represented. You know what's funny is that a good point I want to bring up. We were talking uh, in the Humans of Flat Design Twitter account. Uh, I was talking to a mutual of mine, Real Boy Physical, at Real Boy Physical on Twitter. He is one of the best posters. He mentioned something about Humans of Flat Design. He said that almost there's almost like a Freudian polymorphous perversity involved and i go what do you mean he goes well think of it there's almost like when you look at these humans of flat design there's almost like a an infantile sexual undercurrent to it it's like everyone now is over uh there's an oversexed nature to it because these these figures they're like morphing into each other and it looks like they're there's this sort of like uninhibited id that they're consuming products, they're consuming each other. And I thought that was a real good point. Maybe Eli, you want to go on this? Um... Oh, oh, and be yeah. before that, I just want to say that uh, Alex, I believe you have to uh, go soon, uh, but I just wanted to get any final uh, thoughts that you may have. And uh, I really appreciate you coming on today. Zach. Uh, yeah. yeah, sorry. Zach, <laughs> oh, yeah, I don't know. Final thoughts. It's a super interesting conversation and really appreciate everybody's um, energy. And yeah, thanks for having me. Oh, before you go, I just wanted to mention yeah. um, I really, really enjoy your art. I was just wanted, I wanted to ask you would you consider yourself a net artist or a generative artist? Um, or um, post internet art? Or, yes. <laughs> well, well, net, I net say, art was a, a specific movement. Yeah. But I guess, yeah. Yeah, I would say like generative artist. So okay. I do generative <laughs> design. Um, and I kind of, yeah, I'm in the world of both like design and art. Um, yeah, but it, absolutely. Yeah, mostly, mostly I would say generative design. Yeah. Very cool. Well, you, you were just mentioning real quick, um, this idea of sort of trying to alienate people. And when I look at your work, I feel like it's not so much, I guess you wouldn't have put it that way, but you said sort of like testing the boundaries of what your sensibilities are and what your audience. Is. And I think there's a difference between what's going on with humans of Latin and what you're doing where you're sort of testing, um, I would say, primitives in a yeah. sense. And I don't mean primitives mm -hmm. in the sort of, uh, sort of uh, way that the, the early 20th century art, modernist artists were seeing the, the sort of primitive yeah. African or, or Eastern art and exactly, and, and incorporating that, but sort of primitives in the sort of technical art sense where you're saying, what's the base visual form that I can exploit and push to its fullest extent. And then sometimes that's going to be dissonant and not pleasant. And maybe you'll like that and the audience won't, but I feel like there's something cool that you're doing there that is almost like something that I very much enjoy is like playing with layer styles and mm -hmm. in Photoshop and sort of just pushing a drop shadow to what could it possibly be? And I feel like that's very, very clear from your work that you're focused on the smallest aspect and pushing that or, or just any sort of motif, you're gonna push it to the limit. Yeah, I always think about this notion of like geometry is a glitch, right? What is a, like, what is a, what is a thing that you can do that is an effect, like layer style, but something like rotation, extrusion, revolving, you know, translation, all of those are mathematical operations, right? And you can take a circle and you can twist it. You can take a typeface and you can twist it. And it's like when you just keep doing those things again and again and again, sometimes you get to a really interesting space. Um, but yeah, sometimes it gets really grotesque and weird and that's what I try to do. And I feel yeah. you have the same sense of series that a lot of the later um, Abex painters, I would say when, you know, the original wave sort of died out, you had like minimalism, you had art at hard edge. 
to me, when I look at your art, I'm reminded of like Frankenthaler and, and Resnick and, and they would like paint like 10, 12, 20 canvases at a time with that same hyper-specific style, but you're doing it digitally and there's an interface to it and there's a plugin and it's almost as if your art is generating patterns and shapes that are very, I would say, almost primordial in nature. And it's very interesting stuff. I'm fascinated by this. I have friends who do this. Uh, mm. Shout out to my friend Stiggs on Twitter. He does a lot of this stuff, but he does like analog mm. with digital interface stuff. And it's very fascinating to me, the type of layering environments you can generate with it. You know me, I'm kind of a Luddite in my art, right? But it's just, I, I find a lot of that stuff fascinating. So, uh, yeah, thank you for coming on. Cool. Here's Stiggs' right, Twitter. Take care, yeah. Tech. Thank you so much Take for care. coming Take care. Come in. again. And now we have myself, the great blue British man, coming to us as well. I have no idea how Ooh. come myself is so oh, no. late oh, for his time. Speaking like, of a performance artist. Yes, exactly. Yes, indeedy. And uh, let's see if I could also get some graphic design people on. Like, I'm going to look through the messages. I noticed one dude blocked me after I, after I sent him <laughs> a link. After I sent him a link uh, just to, you know, just to watch the show. And interestingly, yeah. before he blocked me, he wrote the following. This is like some days ago. Uh, like, he just blocked me right now. He wrote, Hi, Lev. Thanks, but no thanks. I have nothing against Eli. In fact, we followed each other up until his account was still <laughs> oh running. But unfortunately, I don't find anything interesting in the call. All the best. Well, that's kind of... Oh, God. I didn't even <laughs> see that. Oh, my God. Unleaded himself again. <laughs> this is where the chat just totally deteriorates because my because you and myself comes in yeah, and does these things. Got a heart attack. Shit, my pants. Left, could you repeat? Sure. Okay. Yes, because we were distracted by the red man. So here we go. Okay. Listen, listen, Ewan is the the joseph byers of our time he came on the stream he blended he took a blender he set it up he blended his webcam he blended the stream he blended yeah. the stream yeah. exactly so there's a performance art happening live and he paints himself blue and now he's painting himself red oh, and he's become he's become one of the flat people now you remember we were oh no about? no yes yes this is the most fun? exciting uh, British contemporary art since Tracy Eamon, in my opinion. So definitely. <laughs> so here, here was the message again. Uh, so it goes. Who is it, it from? It goes like this. Uh, see, yeah. I don't want to. I don't want to say it because oh. just, I want to respect. I want to respect. I'll tell you later. Oh, okay. Sure, I'll, sure, I'll sure. Behind I mean, the no so yeah. he says, hi, Lev. Thanks, but no thanks. I have nothing against Eli. In fact, we followed each other up until this, his account was running. Uh, but unfortunately, I don't find anything interesting in the call. All the best. So that uh, that was that. And I have no idea why he waited so long to block me. Like, he, didn't, he did not block me initially. Like, as soon as I sent him this link today, like an hour ago, he, he blocked me. So... I don't know. Weird, because that message doesn't really sound that bad. I had a much longer, yeah. I had a much longer interaction with this other dude, so I could actually go through this. This, this I think is actually kind of interesting. So, okay, uh, the the anonymous person who may be watching right now, because he did give me a little bit of a heart, like the heart icon on Twitter. So he may be watching Ooh. now. And shout out to all the graphic designers who are watching right now. I appreciate you guys watching. So here we Especially go. Especially the ones that are hate watching. Exactly. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> yes. Okay, here we go. Yeah. <clears throat> Thanks for thinking of me. These types of chats are not my thing.
thing, so I will have to pass. Good luck. Uh, a couple of more messages here. Um, okay, one other thing to mention is that Eli is a controversial person in the design community, not because his views on illustration, but because of his many well-documented racist, ableist, and misogynistic <laughs> views. I don't think a lot of other people would want to talk with him, and I worry about giving him nah, any more okay, platforms to, sp to spread these views. I think ableist. <laughs> I think there are also other illustration subjects that are controversial, but could generate a more fruitful conversation with more valid points for uh, on both sides. For instance, recently there are a number of newer illustration libraries that sell illustrations for cheap or give away for free. Some designers and illustrators think the these new products are great for the industry while others feel it devalues the industry. So before I go on, Eli, any, any comment? So first of all, we already addressed to some extent those libraries and, and there's actually a big discussion to be had there uh, as to, you know, the ethics of that, um, the market, what, what does that look like for illustrators if there are all of these easily accessible things, but I, the, it's a little bit complicated because very much is, uh, I would say it's more about pride. Uh, there's already, you know, Fiverr, there's, there's other places where you can get extremely cheap design from Russia or India. Um, and designers have had to compete in that, in, in that market for probably five to 10 years. And so, uh, or even just in, in the United States market, there's young people who want to be, to make their break in the industry who will do work for free. And, you know, anyone who has any sort of, uh, pride in their work and is not sort of there, there's a sort of sense where yes those things exist and they, they are a threat on, on a deep level but part of being a mature and also um, somebody with stature is, is pretending in a sense that there, that is not really a threat and and so this is kind of interesting that illustrators are like oh poor me you know I work at Dropbox and all of these libraries are preventing me you know and and you know of course all of us I can't speak for everybody in the chat. Maybe we've got some trust fund people in the chat, but a lot of people are um, precarious. I mean, that's the nature of being either millennial or Gen Z. We do have these uh, issues with, you know, earning earning money, and of course, yeah, many a people... lot of people do have to and do work for free. Like there's sometimes there's often no, especially as an artist, often you have no other mm -hmm. option. You know, yeah. So you're saying that money. the same forces of globalization that have basically, that are going to impoverish a whole generation of millennials that have, you know, have STEM degrees because of uh, advanced visas and, and importing them from the subcontinent. You mean to tell me that even within design, these same no. forces are destroying hey, design? No. <laughs> yeah, well, man. Being an artist sucks. <laughs> they are to some extent. The thing that, that I find interesting is the sort of, woe is me, I'm a working class illustrator. I mean, first of all, we are all workers in some sense and, and, Designers have have uh, interests as workers, but uh, but the thing is, the real question is, what what are you actually making? I mean, designers like to talk a lot about ethics, and you know, would you work for a cigarette company? Would you for work for an oil company? Would you work for um, a company making AR-15s? Oh no! But but then you know, they'll work for Dropbox that. They're on their board of directors is Condoleezza Rice, and they're working directly with the U.S. government, and probably there's access, just like Prism. All of these companies are working with government, and of course now that's, you know, all of those things are great as long as they're targeting the right people and deplatforming yeah. the right people. Um, yeah. But, you know, where's the ethics conversation there? Uh, I think 
the other thing that's interesting is this question of, you know, why aren't we talking about these other things? Well, we can talk about those other things and they're, they're very important topics, but why shouldn't we talk about humans of flat? And also why shouldn't I talk about humans of flat? And also why is, has this conversation been so, you know, controversial and crazy that, you know, people are just shielding their eyes and closing their ears and what's going to happen? Oh no, are we all going to die tomorrow because this dream happened? Eli Schiff had the platform. Oh no. But of course, I think that everyone here can see that um, it's, it's really not a threat. It's, it, maybe it's a threat to the possibility of everyone not agreeing that these illustrations are great. Maybe that's the threat. I'm not telling my phone. Why did you do this? Thing. Why are you doing this? Why are I you? I hope you're using oh, no. organic paint. I hope oh, you're not using oh, real no. paint he there. actually went there. Yeah. <laughs> oh my oh, God. No. And he's taped his nipples off. So this is, uh, <laughs> it's like this gallery I saw today at the Plaza Hotel in Washington. I saw this now, this video, this feminist art gallery that I'll probably be writing about. It's similar to a lot of the artworks there. A lot of, uh, but no, not really. It's just, oh my God, Ewan, why'd you do this? I, what paint are you using? Acrylic. Oh my, no, no. Go wash your mouth right now. Okay, yeah, you, should, you should be at risk for something. You shouldn't have that on your skin. What are you I've doing? I've done this before, I've been fun. I've been Go fun. Go and wash no, yes. that off no. right now. No, we, do not, off we do not, listen, listen. Okay, go, go, go. Just because acrylic yeah. is not Next time you buy, don't use this. Okay. Listen, it's I just menstrual blood. Oh, I use acrylic paint every single day. Just because it's non-toxic, you shouldn't have it on your skin all the time. Please wash that off. My God. Go and take a shower. You and go. No. Two, I've done two. this before, Gio. I'm fine. I've done Yo, this before. Broke. I'm fine. Anyways, Eli made a very brilliant point that was unfortunately distracted by the performance art radio. We don't want to end up. We do not want to end up like but that Russian couple. Did you hear that story about that Russian guy who was live streaming who punished his girlfriend by oh, making her yeah. stand in the balcony and she died and he like because what? it was like she died of hypothermia you know like it was really cold. Oh he took my her God. out and she was just lying on the bed while he was live streaming. That was like that Russian couple. That the guy wanted to test out his homie vest and he got his girlfriend to shoot him and he died. Yeah, I'm, I'm not doing that. I'm not gonna do that. <laughs> like kind of like uh, you're kind of like Cameron. Uh, who's I'm that? I'm not close to shooting myself. What the Cr fuck? Who is that? That uh, contemporary, that uh, modern artist, a uh, performance artist. What was his name? Cameron. Uh, I forget his name. He shot himself. Uh, artist shoots himself. Uh, I don't that know anymore. Okay, why well, least... almost got shot. She she gave a guy a gun and said it was Chris okay Burden. to shoot and but she didn't get shot. So I think yeah. someone talked the oh, shooter and, out of and, but, and by the way, speaking of contemporary Lev, I wanted to point something out. Uh it was I po I posted this in the uh the sushi bar. These two works by Paul Girigosh and uh the Iranian uh, Lebanese painter, contemporary uh, Ooh, well, nice. modern artist at the time. Maybe if you could pull that up. Sure, I'm gonna do that. Uh, I'm gonna do that right now. And also for all the trust fund kids, because we were talking about trust funds just now. For all the trust funders out there, Patreon.com/slash/BreakTheRules. I noticed Bruce, you said earlier you have a lot of money. Become a fifty-dollar patron, and my father Alexander <laughs> Polyakov is going to make whatever you want out of wood. He's gonna make a beautiful wooden magnet for you, completely custom-made. Twenty-dollar member, uh, twenty-dollar. You'll patron. get all the other tiers. As yes, well. twenty-dollar patrons are going to 
you get uh, the uh, regular, uh, one-of-a-kind, incredible-looking magnets. And uh, $30 patrons are going to get Giovanni Panicciati's print. Here it is. It is in action. I wish there was a way for the uh, people on the Zoom call to see it right now. But just trust me, it looks really, really good. So anyway, with that being said... Uh, I don't know what's going on with Ewan's eye, but I wanted to go back to that. He reminds uh, me of a character in, uh, in, in the, uh, what's his name? He did the, the Cremaster cycle, this contemporary artist. Uh, he, he reminds me of one of these characters that, uh, it's this whole like nine hour long film that was, uh, created by John, uh, who is it? Uh, the, uh, Ma Matthew Barney, who is the, yeah. if you he, look at Matthew that's... Barney's Cremaster Cycle, he does this like crazy characters and all that. But uh, so, anyways, I wanted to bring up uh, th these two paintings by Paul Girigoshin, who is a Iranian Lebanese uh, um, modern artist. He was of that. He was like the international part of the Abstract Expressionists. So, Lev, if you could bring up here the we go. Again. Here, here is work number this one. As the new master of abstract. Yeah. So, so I wanted to compare this to the uh, what Eli brought up the human a a a n site, the human site. There's similar. This is there's similarities within the uh, the m work of artistic modernism to flat design. But what Gear Goshen was doing was fundamentally different because he was painting women that he uh, found at the marketplace in Lebanon, these very colorful um, shawls that they wear. They're not exactly burkas. They're just like, they're not like as hardcore as Afghanistan. They're just right. these colorful shawls. And it comes off very abstract and very flat. But there's almost a religious iconography going on here. Yeah, there's, yeah, I can see all, a little bit of the merit of, um, you know, yeah. the Madonna in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 He actually does paint the Madonna because he was a Lebanese Christian. Uh, but if you compare it to the Lev, if you could pull up one of the humans yeah. pictures that Eli was uh, referring to, if you have it in the chat. Let's see, I had it somewhere earlier in here. I have a lot of tabs open, so you got to give me a chance. What is that called again, the humans? Do you mean just humans? A, yeah, H. It's got three A's in it. The oh, website. Right, right, yeah. This is this is very reverent to these people, and and of course there, you could say there's something distorted about them, but more so they're abstract. And if you, I think if you look at this, one could almost see it as a lens through a blurred lens um, of, yeah. of of an actual scene, of an actual embodied um, moment in time that he's representing, versus yes. something that's totally abstract, but not not in that reverent way. It's almost, it's not that it's irreverent in some sort of ideal cool way. It's just sort of uh, almost hateful towards humanity. Yes. Um, and, and so, you know, if we had abstraction like that, you know, it wouldn't be my personal preference, but it would at least speak to an experience, um, something that people might, might value. Some people might find that a beautiful scene if they were to be there and, and, that, and we're supposed to imagine and fill in the gaps. Um, that's sort of sort of a steel man of minimalism that you could that that you're supposed to provide the imagination you're participating in this thing but yeah that's not the point of humans of flat at all no yeah and that's and this is what i wanted to write in in this hopefully upcoming book is that they're doing different things and almost like hum, humans and humans of flat design it's almost it reminds me of that old school uh social realism 
artwork where you have like in the Soviet Union, you have like the worker morphing into the machine, that type of things. It's now it's like a digital version of humanity morphing into like total digitality. Oh, and and uh, and and oh. uh, you and myself, he's he's got stick <laughs> notes now. Oh, well, what is Ewan morphing into art art wise? <laughs> like more, analyze this the is, art uh, of Ewan. Th this is uh, the great tradition of a uh, of performance art from from uh, you know Chris Daring to to Ab Marina Abramovic. Uh, <laughs> I think that Abramovic and and myself should collaborate. They should do Spirit Cooking Part Two. Hold on, I had my headphones off. What's Spirit Cooking? Oh, look up spirit cooking. You're going to have a blast. Uh, this oh, is yeah, by yeah. Like, every uh, cult artist, uh, Marina Abramovic. Uh, uh, and, uh, and by the way, sorry to interrupt, but we have very interesting news. Buff oh. just became a $50 patron. Oh, my God. <laughs> See, this is what Buff, we're talking about. I got a special about. print just for you, buddy. Yeah, this is what we're talking about. Even though we don't agree upon Russia, Buff, you are the man. I, uh, I love you. Thank you, you so much for buff. doing this. Yes. You are you are well, buff well, and spirit. In you my eyes, you're strongest man in the world, and I will never fight you. Uh, I'm looking up spirit cooking, and I'm getting this article that has Alex Jones stuff in. I'm, I think I'm yeah, in the wrong yes. place. Well, I don't know. I, I kind of disagree with Alex Jones's take on it. Um, we've been them through this before. Our good friend of the show, Saturnalia Sundown, uh, we collaborated on uh, the. Uh, oh my god. I'm, I'm just looking. I mean, I'm happy to try. If she says collab, you know, she flies me out or whatever. I don't know. Well, it's I funny know. because Marina Abramovic, she actually is doing something. She's uh, has this digital art piece where like you get to like download this thing in this like VR headset and Marina Abramovic dances in a red dress in front of you. And, and she has like, the different <laughs> steps of the pentagram. Well, I was just uh, talking about, um, actually I had no idea that's how you pronounce her name. Uh, but Marina, I was just talking about her because someone almost shot her in a performance artist. Yes. Yeah. That was her famous, uh, that, that, that fucking total hack uh, what's his name? Sheila LaBeouf tried to mimic. She was the yeah. original one that did this art piece where she had a weapon. She had a table full of weapons and she just sat there for, I believe uh, it was a whole month from like sunset to sundown. And she had yeah. to do all this yoga to make sure that her legs were all right. She didn't get any blood clots. Uh, and she would just sit there and people would go in front of her. And I think one guy tried to like feel her up and feel her tits and everything. Yeah. And uh, she just let it happen. And so Sheila yeah, Booth thought that this was a good... escalated. Uh, like things started yeah. off pretty innocent and people didn't know what to make of it. Then there's like black slapping and then it got to, you know, a guy pulled a gun. Yeah, yeah. And and so there was one guy who pulled the gun, but I, I believe one of her studio hands like tried to talk him out of it, but the man... Yeah, yeah no, like, and he did. It worked. If like, somebody pulled you know, a gun on yeah. me and something like that, I'd just be like... I will become art or something edgy and then try and... Oh, she took, she took it like a champ. There was this other... Speaking yeah. of dancing, she did this other performance piece. It was actually in Venice. Uh, and this was um, right when the Yugoslav... The post-Yugoslavian wars were... The Bosnian War was happening. And she was dancing chaotically, almost like a dervish dance, almost like a uh, uh, an agori dance. And there was a whole pile of bones that she was shaving off with a, a wire brush. And, and right okay. across, you could hear the gunfire from the Bosnian War. And Ewan is taping his mouth. So this is pure performance art. This is... Uh, uh, I, don't, I don't know whether... This is the problem with the tape, right? I'm saying this with the mouth <laughs> of tape. 
So he's going from bad to worse. I can't get the end of the tape. I can't get the rest of the tape. This is the worst part. So, so myself, we need, we need like Joseph Byers type of stuff. We need a wolf come in Mm. like Joseph Byers into his room, and he'll like Mm. dance with the wolf in a in a cloth. Yeah. What is the wolf in reference to? Well, both Joseph Byers, he had this performance piece where he dressed up like a homeless man in a in a gallery room that was actually had plexiglass so people could see it. And he yeah. was dancing with this wolf. He was like dancing around while this wolf was live. Uh, so like a real, like actual wolf? It was a real wolf, yeah. He Okay, because I was yeah. going to say, maybe we should get a guy in a fursuit to go to human's room. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no! No, no, I, I guarantee you there's some contemporary artist that is doing stuff with furries, so it's not out of the realm of possibility. Okay, there you go. Here's more tape. There you go. Because then with the tape, what if we had furries of flat design? That could be something. I've already taped myself before. Dude, furries can take over, I swear. It's fun taping yourself. Well, we had. Well, when it comes up. You know. Who is hate? Who hates break the rules now? Let's see. We have furries <laughs> are against us. Now we have flemites against flemite uh, Crowley people against furries. us. So. Wait, yeah. I told you about the dream that I had, didn't I? So I had a dream last night. It was like one of those mid-dream, like almost awoken type of stages where you're like yeah. in between the two worlds. And I heard the cackling of a demon, like, like that. And it freaked me out. But then I started to call upon my inner light for protection. And I was imagining like a blue sky and my inner light, and it worked. It like uh, got rid got rid of the demon. Oh. So I think like they've been trying to hex me, but I want to say one thing and make it real loud and clear for all the witches who happen to be listening here. I have the support of a loving family, my mom, my dad, my grandma, uh, you know, like all the people within my life, and their love, that power of love is 500 times stronger than whatever hexing your little demon puppet uh, things try to try to enact upon me and we are going to grow stronger we are going to grow stronger while you're going to wither away from the lack of such a supporting family anyway that being said i'm going to go to uh the um the conversation i had with this uh, graphic designer still because it keeps going so Mm -hmm. He late, He then says, I feel like you are focusing on controversial people rather than controversial ideas. Like you are feeding off the outrage yourself by giving him a platform. I'm also, what? I'm also uh, not familiar with your show, so it might be a show about talking with controversial people. Again, it's just not my thing. I'm just trying to give you insight from others in the industry. Uh, that conversation... So then I said... I appreciate the topic, but it doesn't address like the one that he was talking about. It doesn't address the specific issue at the heart of Eli's argument about the flat design. As an artist myself, I see art as a reflection of the human soul, and the way people are portrayed in many contemporary ads speaks to more than just using simple shapes. He says that conversation can be interesting if that is what you're after. Uh, And if that is what you're after, it's not going to be hard to have that conversation with Eli and it's going to be hard. Sorry, it's going to be hard to have that conversation with Eli and someone for else from the industry. Again, it's not necessarily that his opinions are controversial. It's how he goes after it. I definitely believe everyone is different and everyone doesn't have to act polite and cordial with each other. But there is so much bad blood with him with a bunch of other folks in the industry. If you truly want to have a conversation about art illustration creativity and its place in tech and marketing you might have better luck with someone different so before i go on any comment eli 
So it's interesting that they're saying uh, it's not about the ideas, it's about him. And this is something that they accuse me of doing very often. It's like, they say, you're talking about us, you know, specific people. Why don't you just talk about the ideas? Well, then I talk about the ideas. And, and generally, I talk about people only in service of the fact that this stuff would, and certainly it was in the beginning when I was first putting out the Humans to Flat stuff, uh, there's this question of, yeah, this isn't really a thing. This isn't happening. Um, you know, why are you talking about this? Like, talk about something else. But, but then now, of course, it's very clearly an actual phenomenon. And I would say in no small part from due to the past two years of me making it, making it a, a phenomenon of, of describing and, and discussing what was actually occurring here. Um, and so it's interesting just to, to sort of reiterate that they're talking about me as an individual that I'm problematic. Well, what about the ideas? Let's, let's have a debate about the ideas. There's only so much we can say about me. I mean, we could talk about various controversies that I've been involved in past how many years, so going back to 2013, 2012. Um, I, I don't find that all that interesting personally. A lot of people seem to, but uh, I'm more than, I can have a five hour conversation about humans of flight if people want to. I mean, there's diminishing returns after a certain point. Um, but this, this idea that I think it's very clear that they really don't want to talk about the ideas. Not a single one of the, <clears throat> how many was it, eight people that you invited? No, I, I invited 100, like around 100 people. I'm not kidding. Wow. Wow. Like I just, wow. 100 I just, people. I just went through yeah. the list. Yes, I just messaged. Didn't invite me, though, by the way. I just bummed. I just bummed. <laughs> oh, I, yeah, I, I was relying on you. Does that, not, does that not speak yeah. to it? I mean, if you get 100 illustrators, not a single one is willing to dis discuss their work. And in fact, Th this would be their opportunity to really show show me up. Say that's what I said. You know, say how, exactly how, how I said. evil am I? How evil am I that <clears throat> that I would discuss this in, in, in whatever way I discuss it? Uh, this is the this is your opportunity to show what a horrible evil person I am, and and yet no one's here. I think that speaks volumes about they really don't have much to say in return because there's this stuff is so plainly obvious. I will say, critique of humans of flat is it, I mean there's some depth to what. You know the history and and the symbolism and all this stuff and and having a formal artistic background can help in doing so but and having been there during the entire time that it was happening seeing the roots of it but but really this stuff as an object is just visually repulsive to i would say 99 percent of people designers tend to be the very small clique that doesn't find it repulsive or at least claims to and and so it's there's there there's a very uh, common sense critique that can be made of this that I've made. I mean, it's not, you know, there's, there's a lot of depth, but there's also a very easy accessible critique. They're not even addressing that accessible critique. They're not here to do that. I think some people could, could make a good case and, and no one's here to do that. So. Well, well, here, here's what yeah. I try to uh, get here because I got to say out of all the people, I respect the fact that this guy was able to have a very long uh, conversation here with me. Yeah, like it was a good. Them, yeah, most of them just. I think yeah, he's wrong, wrong, but here's it was a good critique. But here, yeah. but here's what he uh, says later on. So again, like much respect. I don't know if you're listening, and if you are, uh, I really do appreciate the back and forth that we had before. So here he says, again, his options on flat art are not really that controversial to those in the industry. It's a relatively subjective opinion about a subjective <laughs> topic. Cool. People like art for different reasons. This style is going to go away soon, not because of opinions like Eli, but because that is the life cycle of art. I think you are giving too much weight to it just because he is controversial. 
And uh, oh, and before I was like comparing, like I wasn't necessarily saying that you're Socrates, but I was kind of saying like I know it won't be hard with Eli since he brought up these same points, and I have found nobody else who brought up these points within the industry. You are right about the bad blood, though. I wonder if we look back through history, the outspoken people during their day, such as certain famous critics that had something interesting to say, which wasn't said by anyone else, would they have been the darlings of the industries, or would they have been despised and their worst qualities paraded around by the people whose ideas were under attack? Corrupting the youth as the charge against Socrates, I'm not comparing Eli to Socrates, but being <laughs> on the watch for a whole industry... Uh, 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 being on the watch for when a whole industry goes on the offensive against someone without addressing the important points being made at all. So, and he says also conversely, who is to say Eli is not the one shouting, corrupting the youth? It feels like Eli has a more traditional sense about his opinion rather than this new style of art. So maybe flat art is actually the one under attack. Well, I'd say it's definitely a mutual, uh, mutual attack. I think um, but but who's the institution, right? I mean, uh, who has institutional backing? In fact, many people have gone after who they believe my employers are um, and tried to get me fired from various places. And, uh, you know, this is an, it's a recurring thing. I think it's very clear they're on the side of power. I mean, they are power speaking down to truth. Now, that's maybe a little bit inflated. Maybe we don't want to go that far, but, but well, I would say... Like, yeah. well, well, you have to realize that, sorry to cut you off, but like I wanted to make this point, but uh, myself, he's eating Tesco. That's real British right there. Reminds me of the sneaker pimp yeah. song, uh, Tesco Suicide. Bring some Greg's um, later on. By the way, myself, no, can, you dress no, up, can you dress up as one of the North FC people for the next stream? Oh, and bring God. I'll try. I'll try. Yeah, I'll get a football He's going to get try. more, 10 times more uh, fat and grotesque like myself. Come on, Engeland. No nonsense on the stream. So, um, <laughs> yeah, Eli, you, you mentioned power. I think people have to realize that um, illustration has always been the handmaiden of power in whichever orthodox social political orthodoxy has been in place. I mean, people like to look at Norman Rockwell as this base trad artist. Norman Rockwell, you know why you think about Santa Claus because of Christmas? That's Norman Rockwell right there because of him. And even before that, illustrate, I mean, political cartoonists nowadays, I had whole threads about political cartoons that I want to write about. Uh, they are really the voice of power illustration has always been the voice of power. And I'm not just saying this because I'm a fine artist and I say <laughs> illustration could go fuck itself because I do value illustration. I just think that we have to be aware of the fact that illustration is more easily replicatable within a construct of power knowledge and certain discourses that are allowed by uh, certain institutions. So sorry, I cut you off. Eli. Absolutely. So I no, that's point. extremely valid. I'm just I'm curious, how long has this been going on that they've been coming after you for this? Specifically, Humans of Flat, the account was made, I believe, in 2018, although I've been tracking it since 2014. Um, and it's interesting that this person says that, you know, this, this is just another, as we said, with flat design, they talk about this whole cycle uh, model. And, and yet it's been around for six, seven years. And somehow oh, no, no, that, no, no, that no, doesn't no. have staying power. That's just, that's just this tiny little thing that's gonna go away tomorrow. Well, maybe it may very well be that now, it's, now that it's hit the consciousness and now everyone's seen the memes and everyone's seen the account and everyone knows humans are flat is a phenomenon. Now maybe it, it loses its power in the sense that it, it, it's, 
it's too conscious. It, before, when it's unconscious, it, it has a certain um, potency, but now it doesn't have that potency. Maybe this person's right, it's gonna go away. Does that mean that the past two years of my publicly speaking about, it, if not three years, maybe two and a half years, uh, does that mean that that was not something worth discussing? Uh, I think I think there's there's sort of just a, a plain denial going on here, where instead of acknowledging that this is a legitimate conversation that caused potentially, if they're right, then they're in a sense acknowledging that this conversation had an impact. That without it's because if this were purely unconscious, then it would continue potentially to 2025. But actually, the fact that <clears throat> it was brought to the fore um, and it became part of this conver general conversation that actually speaks to the validity of the critique from the very beginning. And so, you know, in a sense, they undermine their own position. Um, but I, I would say, yeah, completely agree with you, Gio. Illustration is a huge part of Powers uh, sort of, I mean, we, we could go to Chomsky and, and manufacturing consent. Um, Chomsky, you know, it was funny, I was in a thread the other day and somebody was talking about, oh, Zizek wrote, uh, manufacturing consent. I was like, I kind of wish Zizek had written that, but because, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, I mean, it's just grading. Yeah. Right. But I mean, it's a, it's, it's a concept regardless of where it came from. Uh, and, you know, illustration is, is very much, as you say, part of that, that process of, of making things acceptable uh, that may not be actually acceptable. And, and one, one interesting case that just came up, I believe it was either today or yesterday was um, Uber actually has been found to be, employing children, child labor in uh, Brazil. And so oh, for Uber Eats, well, I, and, and they would say, oh, of course we didn't realize it was, they were using it uh, against the terms of service and kids were using their family members' phones. But here we have humans of flat representing child labor, ch children being exploited. And, and somehow we're not supposed to talk about the fact that humans of flat are the face of global capital that is exploiting children yes. right in front of us. And, and I'm the evil one. I'm the evil one, right? For, for actually talking about that this is justifying ch child and, exploitation. And humans of flat, I mean- Wait, what? Yeah, children are, are, children are are driving Uber Eats in Brazil. I mean, it, it's not that outlandish. It doesn't, you know, children are on Facebook, even though they say that there's a 13-year-old, you know, lower barrier. It's, it's you know, probably there are children driving Uber Eats in America. There's at least one. Mm. I mean, it's not that implausible. Well, it's like, but, how, how would you compare that to, like, the delivery uh, boy from the 1950s or something, or, like, somebody helping sweep up at their father's uh, corner store, you know, who's, like, 13 or 14 years old? Like, where, where would the line be, and how could it be defined properly well this is a global corporation i think that's the yeah it's a scale it's a totally about scale i mean you know that you know maybe we could say work builds character right there's arguments for and against children doing anything that might involve money but uh it, it's more just there's an outrage about this practice that was not clamped down on um and then and then of course in the article it's like clearly there's a humans are flat and then Uber uh, is exploiting children and, and well, Uber well, itself. Is Uber, how are the workers <laughs> no, but are, are the workers, how are the workers being treated? Cause if they're being treated poorly, which I imagine they are, then that's a, that's why they aren't angry. Having, <laughs> having like half of my mom's family live in Brazil, Brazil and Sao Paulo. Let me tell you, like being a cab, being a cabbie in Brazil is quite terrible. Like, let me let me just get that yeah. clear right off the bat. Being an Uber person in Brazil is fucking ghastly. So, yeah, that's yeah, that's, that's yeah. not surprised me honestly. Also, uh, I, I do have to ask how Amazon plays into a role in this. Oh, Amazon is using child worker. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt in my mind. 
They're is, using is child Amazon using child workers in the Amazon. Well, anyway, uh, it goes. <laughs> they they probably they probably are. They're making yeah. Fulfillment yeah. centers probably do have. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So um. Uh, and this goes on to say, by the way, I said the exact uh, similar well, the thing. The fact that Amazon, the fact that Google and Amazon, their headquarters are in uh, Ireland, to uh, escape tax of to have like some tax scheme. Uh, most of the Irish are children anyway, so they're they're really the children of Europe. They have to be protected. So no, I'm fucking kidding. So, okay. so I said don't I worry, said, not be <laughs> I uh so children I said at heart. they're children at heart. So they're children at heart. I replied uh I replied a very similar <laughs> thing to what we were just talking about right now about like the speaking power to truth, where I said that uh the impression I get is that people within the industries of media, design, academia, etc., especially those calling for so and so to be cancelled, have something in common. The impression in their mind of being the underdog, yet somehow always winning in the end. Any resistance by a party which is much weaker is then seen as oppression of overwhelming strength. So he wrote, It feels like you have this characterization of Eli as someone that is being persecuted for his views by a rich... A powerful band of industry moguls. I well, he was. He was. So sorry, sorry. I'm I think excited. I think most of the folks that are tired of him are independent artists, illustrators trying to make a living in the big tech companies, or creatives oh God, that are tired of. Uh, 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 hold on. Uh, okay. Uh, uh, tired of hearing subjective opinions. In the bigger context, this group of people see Eli as just another symptom of those that wield power over them. The many other stockholders they have to contend with, directors, marketers, CEOs, etc. These folks feel they should have uh, power about what an artist creates, and they are tired of it no matter where it comes from. Yeah, but the, the predominant art style that they're, they're creating is being endorsed by power itself. I, I don't <laughs> I don't understand. Right. It's totally contradictory. I mean, what, what power do I have to stop them making any stuff, humans of flat or otherwise? If if I had so much power, then I would I would have stopped right I would have stopped it from the very beginning. It wouldn't it wouldn't have occurred. Um who's, that's the who's, very who's, who's the most evil though? What's up? Well, who do you think treats the kids the worst? Um I can't speak to that. I'm not a child exploitation expert here but <laughs> let's take that amazon in my opinion because amazon gets products from countries that pretty much exploit children on a mass yeah. scale in these sweatshops so i would say amazon is probably like the worst there yeah. imagine in the future though if we had like on linkedin you know child explo exploitation expert you know that would be a, that'll be a job <laughs> yes. the way the way this is professional going professional child exploiter <laughs> exactly. so, okay professional whale clubber and, i will uh, say love though that, yeah. that there were some interesting points if you could maybe go back and run sure like abstracted sure, 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 out sure. The, the, the few points that they made there Okay, so he says that he thinks that the uh, people he's talking about, not the mo not the uh, rich and powerful moguls of the industry, but just like the indie artists, the illustrators who just want to make a living uh, in these big tech companies, or the uh, that they're tired of hearing these subjective opinions. Yes. Okay, before you move to the next one, there are a couple of things, subjectivity and um, independent artists who are, you know, maybe happen to work for these big companies, but... Uh, they have all these stakeholders and all that. So, of course, and this gets back to something we talked about earlier, which is, uh, you know, there are many constraints and those are real. Uh, I empathize on some level because I've been there. You know, you don't always get what you want as a designer or illustrator. Uh, but 
the question is, you know, at the end of the day, what do you spend your life producing and in whose interest are you doing that? And those things are totally within the purview of criticism. Certainly for somebody who is a critic, I think that would be the job description to discuss those things. Um, and then the question of subjectivity. Oh, well, this is just Eli's opinion. I have my opinions, of course, as everyone does. Um, but the question is, is it just purely subjective? Part of it is, um, but then another part, and of course, uh, this is uh, it's somewhat distracting here, um, but <laughs> the other part, the other part is that there's an intersubjective aspect of it and maybe even objective, you know, I wouldn't go so far as to say it necessarily, that's for other people to tell me whether my opinions are objective. I'm not gonna go uh, say everything I say is 100% right. But what I do know is there's a cultural aspect of this where Things are being, you know, created between various parties, and we have standards that are being created, and they don't really want those standards that are being created among people, this intersubjective relationship, to be critiqued because then maybe there's some things that would be culturally correct or culturally incorrect, um, and certainly they want to be, they want to have a sort of singular vision a homogenous vision of what is intersubjectively correct. And that's why they say, oh, this is just Eli. Well, apparently it's not just Eli. Apparently hundreds of thousands, potentially millions of people who have seen the memes in the past few weeks actually completely disagree with these 300 to 1,000 designers who happen to live in the Bay Area and happen <laughs> to live in New York City. And you know what? If you make $50,000 as an illustrator and you're living in San Francisco, yes, your life is really hard. Um, and maybe you, you get a gig for Dropbox and maybe that is difficult. But at the end of the day, like that, that is unfortunate from the perspective of art as such and, and illustrators should be paid more than that if they're, make, if they're producing stuff that is worth, worth uh, you know, being paid a, a living wage. But, but that's, those are, whether you're paid 50,000, 100,000, 200,000 as an illustrator, that has nothing to do with, are you producing illustrations in service of power? And if you're producing those, then that is something that I'm going to be discussing. And you know, if you have a problem with it, then come on the stream. When you 100 designers out there who would not come and debate me on the stream. And then he goes on to say, after I wrote him uh, um, this other message, uh, it's kind of long, but it's basically about like the same power dynamics. He wrote, again, this sounds like a mischaracterization about contrary views within in-groups. It's not necessarily the contrary view that is the problem. It's more a problem of how, how some people go about it. I've had tons of convos on various platforms with people I don't, I don't agree with. I know a lot of other folks that do the same. The people they interact with don't get canceled. You just don't hear about it on Twitter uh, because it doesn't get many, uh, as many clicks or likes. And uh, then he Absolutely. says over here, um, uh, society still has to have some rules and Eli is still totally free to have his opinions. He still has a big platform, so I'd argue he isn't being censored at all. The only thing I know that has happened to him is that Twitter deleted his account. Again, there has to be some rules. I don't think he was kicked off because he didn't like flat illustration, LOL. Well, that's true. I wasn't kicked off because of flat illustration. It's because of neomorphism. But uh, actually, it was really about the flat illustration. Let's be real. Yeah, let's be um, real about it. And, uh, and, and the thing is, it's like, okay, so I have this huge platform. Tell me about this platform. These people don't know what they're talking about. So yes, I still have humans of flat. That is uh, my intern using that. Let's be uh, very clear about this. Uh, and thank you. I want to shout out to my intern. But uh, also, I, that account is being shadow banned. So probably less than 5%, maybe even 3% of the audience of that account is actually able to even see any tweets. Um, so those are being suppressed. 
what what platform exactly on any established uh, domain uh, do I have? Let, let's 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 find out. If this person has access to a massive platform for me, please uh, be my guest and, and invite me to that. That would be great. And then he says over here. Well, then I say. People have gotten kicked off Twitter for politely disagreeing with questions relating to things such as gender. A loud minority has been frequently effective at silencing people, going after just the asshole or uh, people who had it coming. Neither of us uh, knows where this stops or, and has the chilling effect of everyone else self-policing their views or not even considering different views when people associated with them are branded as hateful or toxic as the newspeak goes. Either the moral panic calms down or, or accelerates. You are absolutely correct that saying things in a different manner makes them difference, but in the cases of a loud minority that makes up for their lack of character by being offended, it's like giving a dog a bite of steak and still holding the rest of the steak in its face. They will never be satisfied. To which he wrote, Eli is not politely disagreeing. I don't know all the contacts with him, but there are still consequences to how you treat others. That is a standard in most societies and groups. Sometimes these standards can go out of whack, but it's also worth thinking about that the, this loud minority might actually be a loud majority made up of folks finally having a voice. Granted, anything in the context of social media is usually hyperbole and might be an inaccurate gauge of the okay, direction okay, of society. But if they're a loud majority, then how are they oppressed? Like, how do they not have like then why like they're well, allowed no, no, he was saying that they were oppressed power. before they didn't have okay. a voice and now they do have a voice but okay but i don't see what that has to do with that like okay so they have yeah, a voice totally agree, why should yeah. they you know like now that everybody's equal let's just treat everybody equally then and not really yeah, and favor I one care or... who's a minority yeah but that's the, that's the trick that's like the um like the the plausible deniability they have like we know uh like why they censor certain people above others it's just that you can't really like prove it because of the way that they shadow ban you and so forth and i love how i love how my uh you and uh, myself he's like focusing in on different people like at random it's really like we could have a computer generated thing where it's like like uh like uh like people that do these art installations with cameras where like they hyper focus in on one person then the next that go into the gallery i really like that really also i saw like a tongue sticking out and part of me thought you know what what if that's not actually geo's tongue sticking out but that is actually an artificial intelligence puppet that was meshed on top of uh, geo's face during that it's, whole it's a, a robot well, in a geo suit well exactly. artificial intelligence will create tulpas of us all so that's yeah. what's going to happen. Uh, but <laughs> no, but it's what, yeah, Eli, um, to one, one thing I didn't want to address in the chat by, uh, by Evie, uh, mentioned, uh, he mentioned like Robert Crumb straddled that line. I do. Yeah. Robert Crumb is one of, one of the first, I would say, illust well, there was some in the twenties, but really the first illustrator, uh, after that distinction collapsed between artisans, illustrators and fine art, like you had uh, a lot of uh, artisans and, and illustrators in the 20s that were doing woodcuts, for example, that would be in galleries. He was one of like the modern era artists that straddled that line between illustration and fine art because a lot of fine art people took interest in Robert Crumb. For example, the great art critic Robert Hughes said that he was the Bruegel and the Goya of our time, right? Mm. And so you had, um, then later on, you had like graffiti artists like Cause and that guy that did obey and and i know uh fucking banksy even though i fucking hate him but like you had the, the those 
underground subcultures that were now being introduced into the fine art world. So now you have like graphic uh, graffiti art within the gallery spaces and things like that. And uh, well, we have humans of flat design in gallery spaces now. Very so, much, uh, yeah. Yeah, and you could say that, like I say, like there's a long tradition there, like Keith Haring immediately comes to mind in, in that sort of space between flat design humans and, and like graphic art and graffiti art. Uh, so I don't know, I'm just like wanking off intellectually right now, I feel, I have to stop myself. <laughs> well, so. I mean, there's, there's certainly, I don't know Keith Haring's whole shtick, but I mean, I know what it looks like, of course, but mm -hmm. I know that he, wasn't he diagnosed with AIDS or something along those lines? Yeah, yeah, and yeah, he was in the, that, in the original wave in the 80s, yeah. Yeah, I don't know how politicized his art was, though, was there any relationship between there, his there personal was, struggle and the art? There was some relation there, but it wasn't as pronounced as the uh, activist artists that came after him mm. out in the AIDS crisis, but Keith Haring is interesting because you have graffiti and you have your tag and it has to by definition like there's changes in terms of style but by definition if you're doing character graffitis it has to almost be like a similar set so you have like repeating sets of figures that are colliding into each other that yeah. are mass produced and it's very interesting from that view it's almost very similar to the humans website and you have to have that specific style for so cause for example mm -hmm. i know like i know cause is like in terms of contemporary art, he's like a total like marketing whore because <laughs> like he literally like fucking has puppets and plush dolls of, of his like cause illustration yep. but like that's that's besides the point like that's mm -hmm. to me it's interesting how banksy is fucking lame but yeah, I do Banksy's not totally like Banksy. Fucking... I'm sorry. Banksy Look is new this. liberal catch. Put it that way. Banksy's is Banksy new me? Liberal catch. Is yeah. Banksy me? No, he isn't. Banksy is copy paste. Yeah. yeah. The same three ideas. And, Did and... you know the government won't be bad? Yeah. The government might be bad. Please. What if your mom was a government? What if your mom was government? Yeah. Did you know you gotta support the NHS? Did you know that? Oh no, don't oh I have to see that shit constantly. I hate it. I have to see stuff like weird college. Well, Banksy is a good example because flat design, like flat design humans is almost in keeping with a concept I'm trying to make called neoliberal catch. I think that Banksy's the premier artist of this space, along with other activist artists. Uh, when it comes to humans of flat design, there almost is like a kitschy element to it because it's so self-referential within itself. There really is, it's an art that has lacks all history whatsoever, apart from like this multicultural polymorphous hellhole that mm -hmm. we've inhabited. Like it really is like uh, the California ideology manifested into to the human subject. I, I so, did. I did uh, want to get on this, by the way, for those yeah, who go are. Ahead, uh, I'm sorry, I'm just... For those who are aware, 4chan has been making uh, parodies. I don't know if this. Ha, is ha, 4chan. Oh, well, yes! well, hold on, hold on. We have to give credit where credit's due. Oh, yes. And this is this is a female artist. I'm going to find her name real quick. Yes, please tell me um, her name because, because I... she actually had to delete this this uh, Goya reference because people were attacking her so much. And then afterwards she was like, oh damn, I should have kept that up, got credit for it. But um, I'm trying to find real quick. Why were I'll they let, attacking you know, We may come back to it yes. uh, because it's gonna take a second to find. Why were they attacking but... her? Was it because she was parodying flat design? So she was being attacked by the, the, the vermin tower people or was she being attacked <laughs> just by normies who hate this type of art style? Mm -hmm. Like I think she was being attacked by the illustrators uh, who were basically saying that uh, that she shouldn't be doing this, but her name is Claire or Clay or, or her real name is Claire. And she 
I'll post a link to her. But, uh, but why would like tweet. why wouldn't she be doing this? Because the contemporary art world is filled with with like remix parodies. Oh, like, totally. I think she just yeah. didn't want to be part of a shitstorm. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, because but it doesn't make sense because the the contemporary art world is filled with people who like take um, old masters and traditional works of art and remix them like to almost beyond belief. Like whole like whole styles. Like for example, that guy that did the Obama portrait. Who was that guy? Uh-huh. Wiley? Yeah, like that's that is taking um illustrations and textures and design features from previous eras and like making them into this neoliberal kitsch where he's like, I don't know, celebrating celebrities, or he's like taking uh the picture that Decro that that uh the uh, who's the, the French Revolution painter, Delacroix. That he's taking like the, the woman championing the French Revolution and like making it like the Haitian uh, slave revolts or something of that nature like remix is yeah. like the in yeah. vogue style of the contemporary world now especially with woke contemporary art so she's just taking goya one of the most famous goya from the the black paintings and like this one oh my god i love the joke i here's the thing <laughs> i promised people if you look up the original photo with the redhead girl I promised people that if Joe Biden actually does get inaugurated, that I will paint in a Francis Bacon style Joe Biden perving on that uh, redheaded woman. So I will paint that. If if in January when Joe if Joe Biden like fingers crossed, it's you know Trump's gonna Herman Cain uh, not Herman Cain sorry uh, Clarence, Clarence Thomas is going to steal the election for Trump. Fingers crossed. But if if Joe Biden steals the election, I'm going to paint that. Yeah, so I, I promise that on Twitter. Oh, Geo, do you know what all this uh, remix art stuff is reminding me of? Yeah. It reminds me of all those, like, I mean, one is reminding me of Chris Chan, like, obviously, but second mm-hmm. of all, it's reminding me of Tales Gets Trolled, which I think is fucking... Oh, yes. Tales oh, Gets Trolled. Tales, Tales, Tales Gets Trolled is, uh, I think it is the, like, it is the epic of our time, oh. like, our equivalent mm. of the epic of Gilgamesh. It's and, like My Immortal. Uh, the yeah. remixing of Tales Gets I, I generally think Gilles, Tales Gets Trolled is a very beautiful, beautiful story. And I love the remixing of the art. I mean, the art. I mean, the story itself is a remix because it's taking these established characters, it's putting these them in these very complex scenarios. But there's also um, trying to find it on Google Images right now. And by the way, this is the original artist uh, that Eli was talking about, Claire Clayhor. Follow her on uh, Twitter. So we have she... to get her on the show. We have to. Oh do this. yeah, definitely. That that would be a lot of fun. And I almost, I almost got to get that e- Indonesian uh, woman who uh, Eli, you were retweeting her. She was very friendly. We had a nice conversation on Twitter. She unfortunately could not make it to the show, but she oh, was very, uh, she was very nice. She yeah, was we should fortunate. definitely shout her out because it's it, she yeah. was, it's crazy. This is a woman who is just a genuinely good person who is making. Uh, material and curricula for Indonesian designers or people who are prospective or uh, the word, you want to become a designer in any case. The main thing is she, she's putting this out for free um, and she has two children and you know talk about presentation or identity. She's uh, somebody who wears a burqa. And when I quote tweeted or actually I, I posted an image of hers and I guess she must've been following the account, um, I should say. Uh, and then she she was like that's my image and i was i was a little bit unclear is she is she about to be you know angry that i post about her tweet or about her or about her humans of flat and it was funny because she was the first illustrator in the entirety of the design industry to actually find it funny and be <laughs> like thanks for posting it this is awesome and and be happy to engage and 
this is some, you know, this is exactly the person that designers are claiming is so weak and so vulnerable and needs protection. In fact, the very reason that human supplies exist is just for this lady here, right? But she was, she was, she had a sense of humor about it, and she was like, "This is great. I'm happy. You know, thanks for shouting me out. This is I'm really happy to be here." And you know, the fact that she would talk to you and this i'm just i think it just undermines the entire premise of humans of flat here she is follow, follow her she's great when the uh mm-hmm. when the are uh when Wendy the asari, asari maybe but is she uk and using Something the like o oh, yeah. rather than you and mum if she and UK she's, uh, and she's using the o Ooh. and she's a muslim woman she is a muslim woman with the burqa and uh or the headscarf and she is living in uh, indonesia we were talking about mm. how uh, she has not yet went to Gudang Padang, but I highly recommended that. That's that pyramid site that Graham Hancock was investigating. That's uh, supposedly like a very ancient pyramid there, as well as these other megaliths of these very interesting-looking characters. So yeah, yeah. like Angkor, yeah, like Angkor Wat. I always wanted to go see Angkor Wat. Yeah, yeah Angkor Wat. Yeah. Okay, anyway. Angkor Wat. <laughs> no, but yeah, Eli, that's a good point. I mean, there was uh, there was something else I wanted to say. It's uh yeah it's it's really interesting like this visceral gut reaction that you receive by these designers that think you're a a nazi i don't know if you want to reveal but eli what is your ethnicity well i'm jewish Uh, okay what is your eye color no sorry sorry that's (laughs) it's just pink Uh, i'm actually well (laughs) i'm actually yeah i'm not gonna go there um but (laughs) (laughs) it's 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 not what you think and it's the opposite of what you think so for for nashkenazis you i'm the opposite of that well well as far as far as as i'm concerned (laughs) all these graphic design people are going to be calling you an ashkenazi jew you know eli is the the ernst rom of the design world right now (laughs) (laughs) oh and by the way real quick Super Iron Bob, 23 minutes ago, he because I keep switching screens, so I may miss this kind of stuff. He donated $5. Thank you so much, Super Iron Bob. And he says, we are friend all... Of show. Friend of the show, indeed. We are all living in the shadow of Edward Bernays. Agree? Disagree? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Edward Bernays. Yes. Well, he... well, myself has the ripped uh, shirt on, so he is like... He is one wolf away from being a uh, Joseph Byers piece. So, <laughs> <laughs> also, uh, Ewan, uh, I, I briefly mentioned um, Tales Gets Trolled and how much I love it in the sushi yeah. bar. I posted someone did a, a Japanese woodprint version. Oh, oh my god! Please, yeah, please, please, please show this love. Have a look. Okay, oh my god, that's so good. So on the topic of like remixing and remastering, I absolutely yeah. love it when wow. uh, remix and remaster. Oh, that's so good. Trolled. That's I don't know if is that a is that a block printer or is that just straight up Sumi ink? Yeah, I mean I don't know how they made it. I think it looks like they made it digitally to me. But oh my god! Yeah, it's cool. like, that, like like Japanese watercolor kind of kind of art. Yeah, yeah, like watercolor with uh, but yeah, Sumi ink is pretty much used for all block prints. And, Guys, we got yeah, a twenty dollars. We got a twenty dollar oh. donation. Oh. Whoa! Oh. What? What? Oh. We got a twenty dollar oh. donation. Can we get some pog champs. From, Can we get from, some pogs? From Pomod. <laughs> from Pomod. Pomod. Thank you so much, brother. I appreciate it. And he says some cashim, some cashimazoo for the boys. Woo! You're going to get one of Lev's fathers. Beautiful. Well, madness. no, no. Well, no, uh, okay, okay. I'll be honest. That that's a donation, but it's not a patronage. Oh yeah, sorry. but that's yeah. but 
But for those who want to become patronages, uh, pa- pa- you know what I'm trying yeah. to say. For those who want to become patrons, go to patreon.com slash break the rules of the three. I'm going to post a link in. And don't forget, in uh, Patreon, you are going to get my father's very beautiful magnets. Look at the quality over here. Just look at the fine wooden texture of these beautiful works well, we of can't art. See it, but I know, but tr- trust me, trust me, it is great. And uh, $30 is going to give you Giovanni Petticietti's amazing looking prints. Speaking of, of prints look at the quality and draftsmanship and artsmanship of this stuff this is exquisite i always say the word exquisite but i mean it this is great stuff so guys become a patron and 50 dollars <laughs> patrons are going to give you a custom wooden Myself. magnet whatever you want a custom wooden magnet i personally would love for somebody to commission a definitely legit magnet so definitely legit if you're watching this brother if you become a 50 dollar patron that would be the greatest i don't want to force you but i'm just saying i really want my father to make a definitely <laughs> well, legit well, 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 the, uh, it. really really appreciate what he just did thank you one of yes. the philemites uh, said you. my art was trash so i don't Boo. know maybe Boo. Boo. crowley is going to uh, curse my art oh no it was a songs one of these uh fan one of these simps for uh this guest we had on that's well, no no big deal we're we're not going to forget about it with forget negative about energy. it geo forget about we're not it. going to put the show negative someone post someone post a guy from boston in the chat um but no here's the thing eli uh, i feel we've had this productive conversation about design but now that we brought up uh edward bernays mm. um what is the role? Hold on, tell people his... who he is, because not everybody. Okay, Edward yeah, Bernays. He was he was a sociologist. Uh, he was he a social? Yeah, he worked for mega corporations. I forget which ones. Don't don't quote me on it. But he wrote basically he wrote the book called Propaganda, where uh, he created the field that we know of nowadays called public relations. How um, various governments? I think he worked on government projects too. Governments and corporations basically selling concepts and the uh, choices and behavioral patterns to the general population of consumption. So for example, one of the, I believe one of his examples was uh, when they came out in the sixties with instant cakes, uh, cake mix, they, they really, they could have used, um, they could have used powdered eggs, but he, people that were working for him discovered that if you uh if you like basically minus the egg and you make people put the egg in it it's one of these like totally meaningless steps that convinces people that they're actually making something from scratch when really it functions it has different functions so you could sell everyone the cake mix it's easy to make but it convinces you that You're actually baking I- I'm from scratch. I'm helping. So it's, all, so it's a bit ritualistic yeah. in that sense. And, uh, exactly. Hold on, what he studied... talked about a lot of what consumerism yeah. is, is getting people to do certain rituals, you know. Exactly. Taking off, um, taking off that funny thing on the coffee cup, switching on lights, you know, putting your car keys into the car. Like, like these yeah. things feel right, you know. And, and it's these meaningless rituals that are really profaned, inverted versions of previous public rituals. So propaganda and public relations and corporations really stepped in to take that place of creating public rituals, even like, I don't know, like when you can't, uh, like open the, uh, the, the, you have to like open the, uh, the seal 
on the yeah. uh, the juice tin, or you have to like do like this step where they like show you. Yeah, like, like I, you uh, buy kombucha, you have yeah. to turn it over and you got to <laughs> shake it back and forth. You can't stir it. It's like you got to do when, it. When this you buy way. Soylent, you have to buy a special yeah. handle to open. It <laughs> you have to get the Soylent cloth. You have to get the Soylent handle. It's so horribly <laughs> malnourished. True. True. <laughs> Right. One thing to note about um, Bernays is that he was actually the nephew of Freud. Sigmund Freud. Yep. Well, double, so, double nephew. I never like, knew I, that. I checked and it's like double nephew, and I'm not sure what exactly that means. Is it kind of like second cousin? So it's like not direct nephew, but like within. Just within means something like that. Sex, yeah. Like the sex thing when you say double cousin like that. I don't know why. Just like. Yeah. <laughs> and the thing is, <laughs> of course, Freud would have would have something yeah. like that. But then. But exactly. then Bernays took it, the theories of his uncle and he realized that you could basically steer public a public form of what uh post like what people came after from Fred Lacan called like the libidinal economy. So you could basically create desires in people and and drive them towards an end. Like why do you think sex sells and like all of these marketing phrases. Yeah, why do we use the color red and yeah. yellow to, red. to and lipstick? Like, like no, how do you think lipstick got created, lip. right? But that was also with the Nazi party, as far as uh, using the color red. Like they stole it in a way from the uh, Soviets, but they still retained it. They didn't yeah. go for blue. You know, there was a reason yeah, exactly, why they yeah. used red. And, uh, and the Romans used red too. It's the, the color yeah. works. You know. Yes. I, I always considered the color of vampire because I always associate with. The British Empire, the Roman Empire, Holy Roman yes. Empire, Byzantines, and also Third Reich, Soviet Union. Well, well here's an interesting thing that Giorgiani says about these uh, various state colors. He talks about the three colors of uh, Iran, as well as it's used in Italy, it's used in Hungary, uh, that these colors are supposed to represent three castes in their caste system, mm, where yeah. the um, the green is supposed to be like the farmers, the red is supposed to be the soldiers, you know, like the blood and the fire and all that. The Kashraya class, yes, the exactly. passionate. And the, white, and the white yeah. is supposed to be like the, uh, the nobility, like like the heavenly like the heavenly people yeah they're pure they're pure in their nobility the they're almost divine you know, exactly and we also have the, the people who got the money <laughs> yes <Yeah. exactly. laughs> we also have you and being bright red too yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's no. yeah. it's like it's like joseph virus painted himself gold and uh whispered into this puppet yeah so uh yeah i i don't know you and you have to research Joseph Byers after a live. You have. Oh, I know. I've like had a little. I've looked into like a few things, but nothing like too major. I haven't like looked up all this stuff. Wait, wait, but uh, Lev, uh, <laughs> I know you like Sonic. Does this mean that Knuckles the Echidna is a Kshatriya? Oh, definitely. Oh, oh definitely. Yeah, he's the, he's he's the, the red Knuckles, kind of warrior of the group. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. Right. No then. doubt. We need Knuckles flat design Sonic. We need. <laughs> no, we definitely. Oh, need... is that is that Mike and Melissa? Yeah, Mike yes. Mouse has been Let's on the screen for ages now. <laughs> oh my god. Fucking movie. Do you know, uh, you know what's yeah. funny? There, there are some people who, uh, like, take the limitations of, like, the early Newgrounds, like, MS Paint style. Two people in particular. Do you guys remember Chef Boyardee? And oh, he, yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah Chef, Chef Boyardee. Boyardee. Dilbert yes, 2 and 3. And uh, what's the guy's name? Pilot Red Son. Oh, I love Pilot Red Sun. Yeah, I, mean, he... I prefer, I prefer Chef Boyardee. Chef Boyardee. And his great. music his is music's well. incredible, too. Yeah. And oh. and I, I find it fascinating how you could transcribe, <sighs> like, that ugly, like, garish MS Paint style into something that's creative and original. I feel that, like, that's almost like Pilot Red Sun, to me, is almost like you could 
probably retcon him into a finer context, in my opinion. Maybe Chef Boyardee before he went like went totally fucking crazy and people gave him all that money and <laughs> but um I, I, the best and like that Space or why like Space Jam like, too, man. Well, speak, yeah. speaking of Space Jam, I wanted to direct your attention to uh, three different serial designs. The first two Ooh. with Tony, with Tony the Tiger. So, okay, so you guys remember? He's going to be something red. This okay, yes, Tony. Speak, yes, exactly. So you guys remember this Ooh. Tony the Tiger right oh, yeah. here? This is from the 1950s. Yeah. So it's like, I really consider that I think people can be reincarnated in different eras, not exactly going into the future. Uh, and, uh, for example, you would have somebody maybe living in this era and then reincarnate as a child of the 50s. And they would eat all this sugary cereal and then do like a lot of, uh, you know, drugs and have a lot of sex during the 60s. And then, you know, eventually they retire and become the boomer. So they would be exposed. Yeah, the boomers were the stimulant yes, generation. exactly. Yeah. They would be exposed to really good art like this. And then when we get to Tony the Tiger in the 90s, you notice that there is a difference. Like, it's a lot more... I'm not really sure how to describe it. it it's got kind of like that Space Jam energy. Graphic. Yes, yeah. exactly. Because like um, to me, the first Tony looks like a big house cat. Like, he looks cute. But this yeah. Tony will fuck you up. Like, this is a fucking <laughs> Tony. Like, like, it, like, that shows the difference between generations. Like, yes. Old me, Tony. Oh, wait, wait. There was, there was a mid. I think there was a mid-generation between that one where he kind of looks like a combination of the two. See this yeah, over here. Like, yeah, but also I noticed that um, because that's I, unnatural. I, I that's weird. With that Tony, and, and for some reason they marketed it as like a <laughs> Wait, who who's talking right now? I can't tell. Yeah, it sounds mad low. Yeah, was that you, Eli? Is that you? No, no, it was not me. I I will say I got it. Was it Corpse Carter? Oh yeah, for Eli. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, oh, Eli, before, before you jump off, Eli, before you jump off, the last, the last product here that I want to show as far as cereals, Magic Spoon. Perfect. Yes. Oh, you know what? I will say, humans of flat being the representation of a product does not mean the product is bad. Magic Spoon tastes great and it's not bad. It's sponsor us. Magic Spoon sponsor us. And before you go, Eli, please, Magic Spoon. <laughs> and it before looks like you go, it would taste like powder. I don't, I don't like the design. No, that was the earlier one. They gotten better. They have gotten better with it. See, it, it would, it would taste like food pellets, like they have in the Matrix, where you just have your nutrient bar, your nutrient slop. That's what it would kind of like yeah. soil it. That's what. It, I'm Magic kidding. I'm kidding. It probably tastes great. Like Magic spoon should be reserved for the brainiacs and the geniuses <laughs> of the world. <laughs> exactly. The, the people who have vermin towers. If you look at yeah. oh, not oh. The... <laughs> that'll be your protein source but eli before you go can you explain a little bit of what this uh connection to mid-century modernism and illustration is and then show your newsletter i know you're dying oh, to show you so this what to do with tony the tiger yeah yeah because because yeah because lev com conveniently brought up tony the tiger <laughs> yes so uh uh well it's tough i mean there's there's a lot of connections i would say Spiritually, the connection is simply that they're both minimalist to some extent, um, but the actual like motivation behind it, at that time it was yeah. part of this high modernist sort of control, or even there was some playfulness to that. I mean, Paul Rand had some stuff that was vaguely yes, like yeah. the Tony the Tiger, um, but it was, I mean, it was part of this overall positive vision of the world that now, now we have all this technology and you know we can sort of set set new standards and maybe go to the moon even, or 
potentially further. Um, the Jetsons is part of this sort of overall aesthetic in a way. Um, and, and so I really don't see that as any way connected to humans are flat, except they, stylistically there's some overlap. But uh, if anything, humans are flat is more about sort of this end game of, of uh, tearing down society while potentially profiting off of it, you know, yeah. enjoy the decline. Uh, it's all over, like may as well ransack society while, while you can equally. Everyone equally will be, you know, taking their share of the, the wealth that remains. And if, you know, if you're not getting your share, then you're, you're being oppressed. So you yeah, gotta, you gotta get, get well, the going's good. It almost um, reminds me of uh, like mid-century modern. It reminds me of that one painter who was from originally, I, I think he was from Caserta, but he immigrated to America. His name is Joseph Stella and he painted the Brooklyn bridge as almost, and he had this panel like a, like in a cathedral, the religious iconography, he painted the Brooklyn bridge in this very like mid-century modernist style where it almost looked like a cathedral and it was to like celebrate the high modernism of New York and um, the American century at the time. But this stuff like flat humans of flat design reminds me of that very infamous, um, Facebook tweet that you could probably look up where he said, uh, imagine the future as like some like 300 pound sassy woman twerking on the ashes of civilization forever. Oh, like, <laughs> yes. Uh, What's that woman's that name? I forgot. Uh, yeah. Lizzo. She was in that, Lizzo. The, the first Lizzo. Part. Yes. Lizzo. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Playing her flute. I mean, it's pretty, pretty bass, right? But the way she plays her flute, she has this look in her eyes, like, this like growl almost where she's like, yeah, yeah, you have to affirm this. It's politically correct. Like, I don't know. It's, she's got that look in her eyes, but uh, no, not to make fun of fat people because I'm a fat person myself, but it's just that <laughs> I I feel that like that Facebook yeah. tweet really says Wait, it all. Like, Facebook account like, is it suspended? Is it, No, it's, I think it's just up, but Facebook isn't active. Oh, well, no, it's is it suspended. It says at Facebook suspended. Well, oh there's the Facebook. He's on the Facebook now. Honestly. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, he's on the Facebook. Yeah. But yeah, as far as people getting suspended, um, my original account, Eli underscore shift, has been suspended. Humans of Flat, which is my intern's account, that one is still up, but it is uh, shadow banned. And so, free my man. Yeah, right. Bring back free Eli him. underscore shift. Right, but but I will say that you know if you if you're enjoying the content, definitely join my newsletter. Um, that is really the future of, and I'm not going to say Substack. Substack, do not, you know, people are joining it because it's an easy, it's like medium. It's not, it's not the solution. We need to decentralize, get to other platforms that aren't controlled centrally in Silicon Valley. So I would say go to bit.ly bit slash humans of flat, bit.ly slash humans of flat. That's how you can stay connected to the whole humans of flat discourse, um, as well as there is the Soviet Twitter account at humans of flat, but bit.ly slash human supply is how you can stay up to date because Twitter will, before you know it, you know, if, if there's anything, maybe they'll successfully shadow ban me to the point that there's really no point in, in uh, suspending the account, but you never know. Maybe they'll just try to stick it to my intern and remove that account too without justification. So the newsletter bit.ly slash human supply. Thank you. Yeah. And also I would say thank you guys for such a great discussion. Um, oh, you're welcome. Yeah. This has been yeah. super fun. And, it's a nice lesson. Oh, by the way, our patron, our $50 patron, Sadhu, he does have one Ooh. last question. Have you guys yes. discussed oh, okay. if flat design sells better on sales pages? If it's too oh, long, oh, we can, oh. we can uh, skip it. Then. 
Uh, I don't have a good answer on that. I mean, I think if anything, it's neutral at best and probably, you know, at worst is maybe causing people to be not finding the product, but you don't really have a choice. All the companies are doing it. So it's not like, you know, you really can say, oh, I want to go with a company that doesn't do this style. Um, but also, and thank you, Lev, this, you know, for organizing this, for putting together a hundred, inviting a hundred guests, none of whom <laughs> who wanted to join. And, and of course, and really, a hundred people didn't want to join. Like, yeah, only really the real ones. Fucking hell. Yeah. We the oh, real the ones. Well, all graphic designers. Yeah, yeah, Newgrounds, Newgrounds, what's up, what's up? Newgrounds, yes, Newgrounds, you guys are real gang signed. Um, but yeah, love, like, I, that, the amount of work that went into that, I know that you guys do this show all the time, but that is just an, another level of effort, and I really appreciate that. So, thanks again. Thank you. Well, it was we worth like having it. you on, definitely. Thank I enjoyed you. listening. It was good. Thank you. I mean, I know I'm like in red hair and I'm like, but I was like listening. I was kind of a bit spaces. of both stick and also listening to some intellectual discussions. So, you know, a bit of 50 50. Yeah. I, I told Lev, he asked, to, he asked to edit all of the performance pieces that myself has done on the show. Yeah, oh, definitely. Do a compilation of them. He's so, got uh, Eli, thank you so much, my friend. Hopefully, uh, we're going to do big things together. And uh, this has been great. Uh, I feel like. I know that, like, I was listening before the show, I was listening to the Justin Murphy interview you did with him, and that was very design-specific, but I feel that we've really uh, tackled a lot of the big questions around, like, the zeitgeist of the design world and also the contemporary art world, and I feel that we've covered a lot of good ground, and this has been great. All of the guests have been great, and, uh, and yeah, the fact that we got Zachary Lieberman, too, like, that's pretty, like... He's like an actual somebody in the art world. Like, holy yeah, shit. Yeah, he's great. I, I really liked what he had to add about, about uh, yeah. kind of art. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and Gio, just as well for you, you know, you're, the intellectual, you know, background you've got in this area is just is phenomenal. Oh, so, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I try. Yeah. So uh, I think we're winding down the stream. Yeah, that's pretty, pretty much it. Yeah. So uh, I just want to thank everybody and another, here. Yes. And oh, one more thing I would want to say that um, it's funny, like, I think Newgrounds, to all the Newgrounds people, Newgrounds has always been a staging ground for not just like blindly controversial, although there was like, let's face it, there was like quite a bit of that blindly controversial thing, but also innovative art and animation that has really withstood the In test of time. Too. I mean, look at stuff like Mindfuck and, you know. Yeah, like yeah. And, and the thing is, Newgrounds really red-pilled whole generations about the possibilities of art on the internet i remember when i was a kid uh, one of my old man's workers because we would hang out in the office before they had to go to work and he like showed me these animations ah. on the grounds i'm like what the hell is this and i played this game where like this like Toss kid from the, the ghetto turf. like no. yeah where it's like this kid with a ghetto and a sniper rifle and he was shooting people like ah. i remember that stuff <laughs> he was defending Dude, the school <laughs> yeah and i remember that stuff on Newgrounds. So i'm like this opens up like a whole world for me back when i was a kid and this happened and, and i think Newgrounds, i think as youtube becomes more tyrannical and corporate i think Newgrounds will have another revival where animators yes. will flock back well, to well, it. Yeah. It, i mean it, really it, it's, it's already on. happening it's, it's, it's already, already happening. Happening. It is definitely yeah. already happening you know yeah thank Friday god night thank funkin god. supremacy yeah. Yeah, 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 everyone go play Friday Night Funk. I would like to give yeah, a shout yeah. out to Friday Night Funk. Uh, yes. Like shout out to, to Ninja Muffin and Friday Night Funk. And Wait, Friday Night Funkin'? Yeah. Wait, you, you know Ninja Muffin's right here, <laughs> oh. right?
Friday. Wait a oh. minute, it's me, guys. Yeah. Omg. Oh. I can't oh, believe shit. Chris did not know this. Only. This whole oh, time, he's right here. This whole time, he's right here. <laughs> oh. Omg. Omg. Oh, yeah, I, I like as the stream is dying down, Chris is driving away somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> See you guys, I'm gonna hop off. Thanks again. Right, Thank you so much, Eli. Godspeed. Take care, brother. Again. Thank Godspeed. you. Take care. Godspeed. It was great talking to you. It was really great having you on. God bless you, my friend. Peace, bye -bye. peace man. And for everybody who's for everybody who is tuning in, I just want to say again, thank you so much for watching. Don't forget thank to subscribe, you. subscribe, and thank subscribe. So even Wait, the graphic subscribe. designers, even the graphic designers who are watching this right now, I'm looking through the ones the that are hate watching. Yes, I'm yeah. looking through the stream, and I am seeing the uh, like counter. It's 41 likes, three dislikes. Those three dislikes, whoa. they were here before the stream uh, even started. Hold on, let me let me actually Wait, zoom those in on three, that. Like, those three dislikes belong to three Ca watchers. Cameras. So thanks for watching. If you're hate watching, <laughs> Cameron, can you show us the uh, that uh, that toy again? Oh Fuck yeah, you. check this out, guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I got, I got yeah. that is base. everyone signing nice. this bad boy. That is base. Look at Fuck that. Fuck you, Cam. Now I did, yeah, I did yeah, have the honor. I did have the honor of back in 2016 being invited and going to the office party in Philadelphia, the uh, Pico Day office party, oh. and that was a lot of fun. Oh my god! I got to meet Harry Partridge. I got to meet uh, Stamper and uh, so many other. Uh, Tom, of course, he Tom was there. He's a dad. Like that's that's interesting. Just like how how much time is how much time has flown. Yeah. He's a dad and now. You met you met like Spaz Kid and yeah uh, yeah yeah I got to Firth. meet Spaz Kid. Did you meet Firth? Uh, no, I don't know. I don't didn't meet David Firth. No, I don't think no. David Firth would have gone. No, I don't know. It doesn't sound like no, that. he's did... kind of a recluse. If I, I think recall. I think yeah. Shadman was there, but he was kind of like oh. on the DL, like nobody knew who he was. And oh uh, boy, yes. Yeah. And also, well, I got. Could we get Shadman on the show? I want Shadman on the show, definitely. Oh, I really wow. want to try to do that. Yeah. And uh, uh, Pika Petey, you remember Pika Petey? People were referring yeah. the Kaliak oh, yeah. yes. people were referring to him as a furry, and he said he was not a furry. But anyway, he was also <laughs> on our uh, VR stream. You know, in the whole in the whole Shiba Inu getup, he, he, he's a lot of fun. He's a good guy. Uh, and Moo, do you too. guys do you guys know Moo? Uh huh. Moo. Oh yeah. Yeah, Moo. So Moo, she's uh she's also like a friend of Pika Petey. She was there, we got high together. In fact, I got high with Emily Ukas uh behind the Newgrounds <laughs> oh, office building. Oh, dude, <laughs> Emily Yo, that shit's shout so out to Emily good. right now. So shout out to Emily. Shout out to Emily Ukas. My man oh, Septic Sebi. Love, do you think that we could have Emily on the show or would that be too nuclear? I don't know. Uh no, I I think I think we could definitely do that. What I want to do is I want to create a good balance of people like controversial but also have like like uh the NASA gentleman said uh when he was there, he said that later on I'm gonna have like the joint chiefs of staff on for this show. And really I think this is what it's about. I think it's bypassing all this uh all this tum all these tumblerettes uh and going right for the professionals yeah, who are stuck true. in this paradigm right now where they feel like they they're smarter than everybody else but they can't say the things they want to say because of yeah. political correctness so what so they i can come in a safe space yeah. yeah like what i propose is having some kind of a, a an eventual yes having like <laughs> some kind of an eventual splitting off in terms of patronage and support where let's say there would be people like really rich people who can siphon money 
off to people like creators that they care about. Legit and, patronage. Yes, exactly. And at the same time, they could distant, fund my art, for example. Yeah, but they not could just fund art. Chris not and just art. Cameron and Mafo. True, but, but not, not not even just art. What well, I'm we need about a rich a whole... person to make myself an actual performance artist. Yes. We need this to happen. Thank you. Yes. Please, someone. I mean, I don't yeah. know. There's a possibility of some very unlikely sugar mummy s situation but <laughs> oh, that's very unlikely but that's not to do with all that's not to do with all that's something completely different and, and by the way mafo i uh, go back to that that like animation of the stick figures killing each in the in the pit i remember oh, like yeah. that that just enacted a primordial memory the uh, cliff yeah the cliff i think i saw that it was either wimp or one site like that or stickdeath.com but that like enacted a primordial memory in me when yeah. I was a kid. And I would like, like, I think Wimp, I saw that one uh, WTF, like how the world ends. That oh. one was just next level shit. Mm. Like, uh, uh, and by the way, when I said uh, the uh, people who are still here, like only three dislikes. And I was thinking, whatever happened to all the uh, salty graphic form. design people? Now it's four. So one of the salty graphic design people probably thought, oh, wait, yeah, I forgot to put a dislike on this. <laughs> I forgot to dislike it. <laughs> I, I watched this entire video and I didn't even dislike. <laughs> uh, exactly. But, but but to all the graphic designers that are watching this, again, I really appreciate you watching this, and don't forget to subscribe. And look, subscribe. Become, don't subscribe. Don't subscribe. And become a patron. Become a patron of uh, Break the Rules. We're going to be doing a lot more of these great shows for you guys, and we really appreciate everybody watching it. Look, to me, it doesn't matter whether you're a salty graphic designer, whether you're a peppery graphic designer, whether you're a sugary graphic designer. Whether you're a quirked-up graphic designer. Exactly. Whether you're a bimbified, sissified graphic designer. <laughs> whether you use GoAnimate, we don't care. No, Just By the way, shout-out to Frank Castle. Woo! Frank Castle defended yeah. me on Twitter, along with Paul Town, along with Sydney. Hell Thank yeah. you. Bless you all. Yes. So, and we and for the e-girl stream, subscribe. we're gonna have the e-girl stream. I will personally contact Sydney to come on the e-girl stream. <laughs> nice. So we'll, hopefully we'll have it'll happen. Nice. Well, e girl approved. I think this is pretty much it. I just want to say some shout outs. So we got Super Iron Bob. Uh, who says, fun fact, the dislike button in the YouTube comments literally does nothing. Amon Sadhu, Evie, <laughs> Succubus Sheep, who says, Stan Emily. So then over here we have, uh, who else here? Yo, free Emily. Oh, by the way, I have personal shout-outs in the chat, although he's not probably not listening now because it's late where he's from. Uh, Paul Talk was in the chat, Paul Rhodes. My friend, you will be on the show. And that comment I made the other day about you viciously attacking me, I was just being sarcastic. It was a totally good critique. But I'm going to debate Paul Talk. And also, shout out to Mason Masters in the chat, who's a good Twitter friend of mine. He was in the chat. And uh, shout out to Julia, Sheepdog on Twitter. I saw yeah. her. Shout out to Hero Alchemy. Yeah. Uh, shout out to um, who else? Yeah, yeah. Shout out to, uh, to, uh, uh, to Good Boy Physical, which I you know mentioned he had a really great response to humans of flat design uh yeah so shout out to all these good people buff no, no, I'm I'm shout out to uh macarthur's gaze i know he's watching at home thanks for yeah. the support. and also Thank shout you. out to uh, we're talking about newgrounds people so shout out to septic sebi uh fucking <laughs> love working with you and uh i'll, I'll give another shout out to atticus too and every, everyone in the atticus and uh yes. Matt, everyone in the discord nice yeah shout out to atticus shout out, uh, to, shout out to max 
Uh, shut up. Yeah. Wong yeah. Carway. Let's do it together, Gio. One, two, Wong three. Why super fan XOXOXO. Who's a patron of ours now, by the way. Wong Carway, super fan XOXOXO is a patron of ours. And guys, become a patron of oh, ours yeah. as well. Wonder we, Boy shout out to Wonderboy. Boy. You wanted to shout out, shout out to Wonderboy in the chat. Shout out to the patron. Wonderboy. Wonderboy is my pal. Shout out big, big, big. Shout out to Wonderboy. <laughs> shout out to Modern Hermetics. Shout out to Isaac. Shout out to Shout out to Kawhi Sprite. And shout out to Mario. Shout out, shout out to Luigi. I saw that image, by the way, where Luigi's like a bodybuilder and it says, well, I'm not going to get into it right now. Okay. Okay. So uh, let's see. Anybody else? Uh, Chris Hastings, Pomode. Another huge shout Pomode. out to Pomode. He gave us twenty dollars today. Twenty dollar donation. Nice. That was like <gasps> shout out to Jugs. I saw her in the chat. Yes, shout out to Jugs. Yeah. Great shout job. Out to guys, 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 quickly! It's oh, oh, two oh. a.m. I'm ready to oh. go to bed. That's so right. I'm gonna. Right. I'm gonna. You I'm gonna wrap this up. Mafo. Thank you so much for being here. I'm gonna, 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 gonna jump here. off this cliff. Okay. No. Mafo. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, guys, this is pretty much it. Thank you guys so much for watching. I just want to have one thing. I want to have one thing before I go. Okay. Just Mike Lake piece. If I will go on any show or like I'll at least hear it out. So if you send me a DM on Discord or whatever, if you say come on this show, I'll give it a fucking chance. All right. And I've got some ideas. I will go on any podcaster show. Exactly. That's my fucking bio. And that's true. I will at least give it a shot. Unless you can, have a, you can have a theory cell for free, so it's. <laughs> <laughs> oh, by the way, Sean, I was oh, on shit. recently. I oh. was on the Small Package podcast talking about oh. Japanese wrestling. So shout out to Skinwalker Tapes. Shout out to all and all the Skinwalker folks. Yeah, shout, shout out to all the Skinwalker folks. Yeah. All right, guys, this is it. I'm gonna stop. Take care. I love you all. Until next time.